Hello, this is another wonderful episode of Coffee and Queese with Big Zana, where we break down, you know, girly movies and just have a great time and try not to get verklempt while we talk about Baba Waltz's, uh, not Baba Waltz's, Baba Streisand. Either or, they made me verklempt. Now with me is uh, Christine, uh, racing. how you doing, sweetheart? How you feeling? <laughs> I'm doing well, sir. <laughs> I don't even know how to. I didn't expect. <laughs> You're supposed to talk. Just talk like a character from Steel Magnolias or something. It's not hard. Like uh, onions in the eyes. I used to talk like that, but then the bridges of Madison County fell on top of me, and now I talk like this. <laughs> how are you doing, Dane? <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, sorry, I'm actually losing my mind in all this uh, in the in the best way possible. Maybe I've watched too much wrestling. Maybe I've been isolated at my house too much. Maybe it's just my favorite thing recreationally to do every once in a while. I don't know. It's probably a combination of everything. But I am so happy for all of the uh, new listeners that decided to check out this week to get that opening. But actually, this is not Queefs and Coffee. This is actually another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, the uh, weekly show where me and brother Christopher Ray Patton, the guy that we uh, you know, were just talking to, um, we break down wrestling news and um, some of the events. We review them, preview them, and whatnot for your pleasure. So we got a lot to talk about today, and uh, you know, let's get past the silliness. Um, but all uh, you know, past listeners, thank you for you know, enjoying some of our antics. And uh, yeah, you know, that's all I got to say about that. You know, I'm Forrest Gump style, man. Chris, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. I just uh, cracked open a beer. I, it's this weird work schedule I think is messing with me. It's, uh, you know, I feel like I'm working more now that I'm at home, which is kind of crazy. But there's the slight distress throughout the day. So it just you have your idea of what time is supposed to be during your work day. And it's uh, shifted. And I'm sure this is for everyone that's working at home, which is kind of crazy. But uh yeah, so I just finished up work and uh, cracking open a cold beer. Excited to talk about, you know, wrestling and whatever the hell else comes up <laughs> on this show at this point. Um, it's got to go better than skates to throats, which uh, I, I was unfortunately had a stomach flu, so I missed. So if you're a skates to throats listener, uh, miss that one. Apologize. We'll be, be on the next one. But uh, yeah, how are you doing, bud? You know, I can't complain. Uh, just doing the whole home thing and uh i'm 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 happy that you know for the most part things are going good in my immediate life um and uh you know it's just uh it's crazy what's going on we always try to contribute a little bit of you know a um a pathway for you guys to kind of like steer clear of a lot of what's going on right now but 
Um, I I have to actually say uh, big rest in peace to a um, member of Geek Vibes Nation, uh, someone that's contributed towards articles and updating our Facebook page, and uh, I'm sure he's done it on Twitter, Twitter too, and uh, he's been a part of many of our shows, including you know Geek Vibes Live, our, our flagship show, uh, and Gerald Gibson um, ultimately, unfortunately, passed away. Um, uh, due to actually the coronavirus, and um, I feel terrible uh, for it, you know, to hear that he was an extremely nice guy, good dude, um, and you know, just extremely nice. You know, always try to interact with people, and you know, always was cheerful, always was positive about movies that you know you might take a couple cracks at, and uh, it's it's unfortunate that that's what's going on. Just. Be careful out there. Really take this shit seriously that, you know, he lived in New Jersey and um, I don't know exactly if that might have been because of what the spread from New York City, basically, and how bad it's over there. I I don't know those details. Um, All I know is I lost someone uh, that was a good dude and I considered a friend and uh, just very, very unfortunate. So, like I said. Talk to your loved ones. Keep up with them. We'll get through this. Just practice social distancing and, um, you know, just, yeah, that's that's all i got to really say. But um, anyways, I'll, I'll pass to you, Chris, and then we'll start going over uh, some of this uh, wrestling stuff. Obviously, very, very sad news and uh, sending good thoughts and vibes out to everyone in his family and friends and everyone affected by this, even in the Geek Vibes community. Um, I didn't have as much exposure as, as you did, Dane. I've been on a couple, maybe a couple podcasts, mismatch podcast uh, with you guys. He always came off as a really great dude. Very unfortunate passing. And, and I um, harken back to what you said. Just be safe out there. And, and if you, if the people you love, make sure you're talking to them and, and try to just be a kind person. As I try to preach on the show as much as possible when I'm not burying wrestlers. Um, but you know. Very, very sad, and uh, I, I think this deserves like a 10-second moment of silence for sure. Absolutely. So we'll start that 10-second, and then we'll move on with our show. So right now, let's give 10 seconds for Gerald. All right. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, yeah. Uh, big, like I said, big rest in peace for Gerald and um, just all the love that we can send to his friends and family. But let's keep on talking about wrestling and uh, talk in a, well, a very different uh, direction with wrestling, I would say, uh, because the third episode of Dark Side of the Ring came on and it was a very crazy, uh, aggressive episode about the life and tales of New Jack. Um, just some some crazy stories of you know a lot of a lot of the ones that people have heard like the mass transit of you know uh, fight the two fights with Vic Grimes getting thrown off scaffolds um, him going off on uh, I forgot what his name was but it was something gypsy some 70 year old wrestler and just destroying him and then you know lots of people getting stabbed and uh, just a 
a concept of, of being a product of your of your environment and how that can affect you. And really, the concept I think of the documentary, Chris, was to show you that sometimes a line of 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 wrestler and and the person in reality um that line is 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 blurred and sometimes that's to an extent like someone that that would not be that focused with violence uh someone like a macho man randy savage everyone always talks about savage was like he was in person and like he was like he was always that intense he talked like that it might not have been as over exaggerated but that pretty much was his personality you know there's lots of wrestlers that kind of have that 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 style, but New Jack's story kind of takes it to a different level. His upbringing was not good. He his, he witnessed his dad stab his mom, I think it was seven times when he was a little kid, right in front of him, in front of the whole family, from what he says. So uh, a lot of the choices of what style of heel they decided to put with him uh, in Smoky Mountain really kind of reflected what was going on a lot within the 90s. You know, this is this is uh, Rodney King getting beat. This is O.J. Simpson. Stuff was very tense at that time period, kind of similar to a lot of aspects of how they were probably about a year or so ago and even today. Um, but this was a kind of a, a social reflection on it, and he wasn't in you know, cartoony WWF or cartoony WCW. He was in Smoky Mountain, and then from there – uh, ECW and then any other hardcore styled wrestling faction afterwards. So it was always down and gritty, and he was always someone that was just violent. Before we get into the details of the breakdowns of the events, uh, what was your take, uh, just your first take on this documentary after watching it? As a documentary, Looking at it just as a documentary of, of things that you may have knowledge about as a wrestling fan, I don't think it was anything groundbreaking. It wasn't anything that we hadn't seen or heard before. Many of the same takes they've had with New Jack is the same exact story because that is New Jack. Um, I think we missed out on, uh, I think it's Eric Klaus. I, I'm probably pronouncing his last name. Uh, his family maybe being involved would have provided some new light, but also understandable of why they wouldn't be there. Uh, necessarily uh, for those that don't know that is mass transit aka the guy from the mass transit incident um, we saw some neat interviews people like Delo Brown having reactions to possibly some things that he didn't see but outside of that there wasn't anything that really like hooked me as being groundbreaking as far as it being put together uh, it's pretty pretty good overall there were some cool shadow figures of sabu that showed up randomly during the ecw time period which i marked out for because i love sabu um trying to think i mean i think you summed up kind of the beginnings of new jack pretty well as far as who he was but i i think to sum it up the best was what jim Cornette says at the very first uh the beginning of the of the episode itself which is like i hope you guys aren't gonna help basically he said like, I hope you guys aren't going to hold me on on trial for there on court for this. But he said, I never knew who New Jack was as a person. Um, he's like, New Jack told me a bunch of different things, but he also was working, working me to some extent. So not the exact words of Jim Cornette. I actually sent it to you earlier. But what he was basically saying is like he never really knew about New Jack's past or 
who New Jack was or what New Jack was coming into the business. And I think that kind of bled over to the rest of New Jack's career because New Jack, to me, it's not necessarily the wrestling bled over to the person as much as the person was the wrestler. Like that was that person. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense um, for sure. I just thought it was very telling. Uh, I like the um, <laughs> the only the only comedic uh, part. I, I don't know if we should laugh at this, but it's kind of hard not to. But when they were explaining Mustafa and how like Salmon was and Salmon was great in all the segments in this, uh, he was hilarious, uh, especially when he he admitted that, oh, that's why New Jack was pissed off about that. Yeah, that fucking makes sense. Like you know, knowing how crazy New Jack is and how. You know, don't fuck with me. You know, he was <laughs> he was doing a lot of blow. But um, the uh, Mustafa stuff where they were talking about how he would, you know, roll blunts of, of pencil shavings and try to get high off of it. And even New Jack, you know, who's a role model at this point, was telling him, like, dude, you don't need to be fucking doing that. That's going to cause, like, major brain damage. Um, and him just making weird noises and stuff like that. And, like, D'Lo Brown being like, no, that was really him. Like, that was... That's how crazy he was. And <laughs> it, it was weird because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought Homicide was a part of their little faction as well. Uh, but maybe they didn't have a minute, or maybe I'm just mix, mixing that up. Um, but uh, cool stuff in the early stuff with Smoky Mountain. It was crazy how they, they, they reflected the Rodney King thing with Ricky Morton. I didn't know they did that, and that's pretty fucking racy, that they were basically trying – even though it bothered them, obviously, trying to get that audience to just completely go over the lot, the 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 limit with racial slurs and shit like that was them trying to get themselves over his heels like that, like that just even starting off that way. It just shows you the direction of where New Jack's going to go with his career. Yeah, and I mean, uh one of the best like things you could see out of that is the new Jack promos and Smoky mountain. Cause I think they were great. It's also something that Jim Cornette buries in modern wrestling uh, or even in ECW. Anytime someone gets a little too serious or a little too close to that line, he, he wants it dialed back or wants it like kind of more like old school wrestling when in Smoky mountain, he was doing the complete opposite, which was definitely pushing the limit of how many times you could drop the, uh, the in bomb, so to speak on TV and, and have babies hanging from ropes and, uh, different things like saying what's up OJ Simpson <laughs> like those kind of things he was pushing the limits on and maybe not even realizing and I think he's never even looked at it in retrospect other than like oh that was just New Jack New Jack was New Jack we had to put out a disclaimer saying this is not the music of Smoky Mountain Wrestling like he knew what he was doing so if you guys have gotten worked by him talking about some of the hardcore stuff or some weird angles that maybe you liked that he thought was offensive just keep in mind that <laughs> He kind of was a, a brain behind the gangsters in general and telling New Jack to go out and be. Rile them up. Rile them up, essentially. Rile up the racist, white, honky-tonk, hillbilly fans, which at that point in time, unfortunately, during our country, you had a big split, specifically where they were at, which is Tennessee, Kentucky, a lot of the areas they were working, even Georgia to some extent. Not going to exclude us, but um, yeah. Um, I thought one of the one of the the key parts of that was was New Jack specifically talking about like you never get used to hearing that word regardless uh, about you know white racist white fans spouting racial slurs at him um, etc. He was like no it wasn't 
I, that I mean, I was good then, and like I got heat, but I didn't fucking like it. Um, and then D'Lo Brown kind of commenting on that, I thought that was kind of enlightening for the beginning of New Jack's career, which to me is probably the best version of New Jack. There's just great promos and and some of the in ring work he had there. Obviously, uh, like you said with Ricky Morton and, and some of the things they did after that was some of his best in ring work outside of just doing crazy spots and shit in ECW, which is what he kind of became known for. Uh, which they talk about a little later in the documentary. Yeah, I guess I guess the next big part that happened was a mass transit uh, thing when he joins ECW. He meets Sandman, and they're doing uh, some some. It looked like some type of outdoor wrestling thing, and Sandman went on last, and he even said to try to get some of the heat off what just happened. He bled like a pig to try to like you know because of it. It just. Due to the situation, you had this big guy, he's wrestling um, little people, um, and Paul Heyman gets wi- like word of this video, and uh, he thinks that he'll be fun or entertainment, probably wanting to put it on like at the beginning of like whatever happened, but uh, you know, something happened, Axel Rotten, I believe, uh, couldn't make it, and somehow it was asked upon this kid who uh, was called Mass Transit, he you know, was like a bus driver style gimmick. Big dude said he was 21, 22. He was actually 17. Uh, and he came uh, with, I guess, uh, I forgot what the little person's name was, but, you know, he was his, he was his manager. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, he was going to be in a match now with New Jack. <laughs> and very different situation of probably replaying, you know, the the match that you've done beforehand and going in the match with new jack well what pissed off new jack this is not a good excuse but just in wrestling concept of respect is very clear and he started spouting out the ideas of how he wanted to break down the match very ballsy of this kid and new jack was not having it he basically said get in there and we'll go from there the only thing that he promised him was one of the requests by this kid was getting busted open basically and bleeding so New Jack got pissed, took it upon himself to uh, use um, what was it? It was like a scalpel, like a scalpel, like the end of a scalpel, like uh, one of those knives, uh, driven into some type of stick, basically. And he carved his ass up. He was trying to stab him on his forehead, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't actually puncture, so he just dragged it across his forehead, and the dude was bleeding until they stopped the match and had to, you know. Um, cater towards him and even after while medics are taking care of him new jack's talking about he doesn't give a shit he hope he bleeds to death and puts his his foot on his stomach the kid's dad screaming in the audience when we go in the back uh he's screaming racial slurs and wanting to fight new jack security won't let him back there new jack even said that if he came close to him he would have murdered him and with all this you kind of start believing the guy in it but just a crazy situation this was kind of like a uh this had some type of mythos back in the day with wrestling fans. Like when we were collecting and and trading videos and shit like that, like the mass transit uh, incident was something that was like, I don't think a lot of people saw it until later. And uh, yeah, just a fucking crazy ass situation. And just showed you how, just how nuts this dude was. Uh, I I, I don't know. How do you feel about it, Chris? So we, we, we talked about the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast with Undertaker talking about going in and wrestling Bruiser Brody and uh, maybe being a bit too big for his britches, so to speak, and getting a receipt. Uh, 
like a normal wrestler in that situation. Yeah, maybe they kind of put you in your place and, and show that you're the rookie. Um, not with New Jack, apparently. I will say I have a – there's a weird thing now for me with Devon Dudley because I never heard that piece where he, they just toss Devon out and Devon does nothing the rest of the match and they just let this poor guy get basically beat to death. Um, really terrifying. I mean, if you go back and look at it in retrospect, it, as far as things people get mad about now with chair shots and head shots and stuff, what they were doing in ECW obviously was that times 10, but uh, – I mean, he gashed this guy so hard, he was not just bleeding, like not just a bad cut like Randy Orton getting elbowed by Brock Lesnar. This thing was gushing. So the video of it, the proclaimed video of it, even back in the day where you could download it or tape trade it like you were talking about, is the fact that his head was literally, I mean, if you bust a vessel, your head squirts. So if you watch if you watch that documentary, it actually shows that piece where you see like a little bloodstream just spurting like a fountain, which is kind of crazy. And uh, I mean, this is a weird thing to talk about because it's it's not as much as New Jack as a wrestler as New Jack as a person to some extent. Because to to do that to someone, whether they you think they disrespected you or not, and what happened happened, and the fact that you were trying to take a plea deal out of it knows that you knew your actions were not uh, anywhere near what would be considered responsible as someone in the ring is a hard thing to comment on. Uh, yeah. New Jack is a, was a, was a crazy probably is still a little bit crazy if you had to wrestle him and disrespected him, but it's a, it's a weird, weird situation to talk about. And unfortunately, I mean, they were able to get their way out of it. And this guy went on to do some other horrendous crimes. And I don't know if the documentary is more, objectively like hardcore wrestling is bad new jack is a crazy man who deserves to be put in a penitentiary or like i don't know what the end goal of the documentary is because they never really stated what that was you didn't have any analysts come on and say like hey this was really bad for the sport in general um because you look at mass transit and you look at something like even something smaller like when cody you know the gimmick chair failed and cody got busted over and we start talking about concussions and stuff like if this would have happened now, this guy would have been in prison for sure. Um, just very, very different today versus then and what ECW was and uh, just all around a little bit weird to look at in a retrospect. And that's the first time I've probably seen that footage since I was in middle school or high school, if I'm being completely honest. And uh, yeah, just uh, overall weird scenario. Yeah, man. So uh, New Jack would... Um go to jail for this, uh, had a lot of charges, could be facing major jail time. This is the first time he kind of avoids jail due to a situation. But basically, since, um, you know, they show Paul Heyman doing his whole act, and New, and New Jack was like he was completely working the whole entire audience, uh, basically insinuating that Paul Heyman committed uh, some form of perjury. But, you know, it's it's Paul Heyman. I'm sure that he was crying. The whole whole layout of what he said he did was was kind of hilarious. How he's like he's like he called him the N word, and they're like, uh, sir, can you please elaborate on that and give the full word? And he goes, I'm sorry, New Jack. He called them, and then you know obviously we we know the word that he said followed by that. But Jack laughing about it, it's just a fucked up situation. Basically, Chris, 
it didn't matter about the amount that they had. He admit he agreed to it. He had the uh, little person who was pissed off him at the time admitting that, you know, he agreed to everything and uh, all that to go against that guy because they weren't getting along. And New Jack somehow got him apparently on WWE for some segments, uh, which was interesting, maybe through Paul, I'm assuming. But they uh, dropped those charges and he is good to go. It doesn't suffer anything. The other kid, he couldn't feel above his head from where the cut was and from something completely differently um, died a couple of years later of uh, complications through gastric uh, bypass surgery. So what the fuck? Yeah. And, and I think the crazy, you know, when the lawyer said he could get him off, I think it depended on the use of a racial slur. If you take that back to even what we were talking about earlier and some of the stuff he did in Smoky Mountain, it was a very hot topic. Uh, if you, if you've watched any of the OJ documentaries or uh, the one that QB, uh, Cuba, Cuba Downing Jr. was in. God, I just slaughtered his name. Um, if, if you've watched any of that stuff, you know the story of Thurman being racist, or even the Dave Chappelle skit, uh, where that becomes a big like pending point on court cases. And, and obviously, he talks about the jury and who was there and what was said. But as far as I know, the actual wrestler mass transit never made that comment. It was more so towards the dad after the fact. Um, so a lot of the pending trial was one of the members, I guess it was called the, the tiny towers, um, which is a pretty good name, honestly, as far as a, a little person group wrestling, um, it was on their defense of like, Hey, he agreed to this. He knew what he was getting into. He knew he was going to get bladed. He said that was fine. Uh, and even if you go back to that day, it's it, the defense, if you, even in the clip they showed in the documentary was defensive. Like he knew what he was getting into, essentially. But like, you don't really know what you're getting into, I guess, with Do Jack to some extent based on this documentary. And maybe if you're going to do a blade job, um, as we've learned from other people, Abdul with the Butcher, for instance, uh, oh. you just do your you just do your own blade job. Just do, <laughs> just do it yourself. Don't ask someone else to do it. I mean, do you think? Do you think that if they were to have fought each other, that they would have killed each other? Who, Abdullah and New Jack? Yeah. No, they, from they, they probably they probably would have just worked a normal ass match, and Abdullah's was so big at the time that they would have been at the at the peak of their careers that they probably would have just worked around each other All and right. both got color and. How about this fire. scenario? How about this scenario? Okay, you get you get. Holly and New Jack completely wasted and coked out and then have them fight in a match. Well, I mean, at that point in there's been these questions posed to New Jack before he was like, I would have brought a gun or a knife or something and killed the person if they shot on him. So I would assume something Jesus. like that would have happened. Um, I this mean, is that's... the most fucking crazy ass character in wrestling, man. I mean, I don't think anyone... I don't want to say but the I, thug gimmick, but like anyone try to do that to that level. Like Nation of Domination, that was very different the way that they handled it. The only other person I can think of is 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 Ron Truth Killens at the beginning, but like look at fucking our truth afterwards. It just he is a very very different character in wrestling uh, when I it mean, comes it, down to it. I think it wasn't really a gimmick. Though. Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> true. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's. That's what when you were talking about, like, sometimes wrestling blurs into your personality and blurs into who you are. I think 
you could also go the other way where sometimes your personality blurs into wrestling. And yep. maybe you see that, especially if you're an ECW, you see that as a way of getting aggression out. Um, unfortunately, for some of these poor poor dudes that New Jack faced, I think that might be the case. Who, who am I to speak, though? I'm not a psychiatrist or anything. I'm just spitting what I've seen and heard from New Jack over years and years of listening to New Jack shoot interviews about the same things over and over and over again. And the end story is... Like, New Jack could have been a great wrestler if he could have separated wrestling from his personal life and, and maybe made it to the WWE. It's a great promo. Was a, it, in Smoky Mountain was a good in-ring wrestler. Um, and definitely something very different. But what we're seeing from the documentary and, and all the shoot interviews that we've all seen and know and love, I guess, to some extent, is that uh, those two things never really separated. And I'm sure that he would be the first person to tell me that to fuck off and then possibly stab me in a parking lot uh, <laughs> about, about this conversation. Yeah, man, probably that's the scary part for sure. Um, and um, I don't know with this documentary, you, you were talking about like people not knowing what they're going to get themselves into. I, I think that that continues. Uh, with ECW, we had the pay-per-view was called Live, Living Dangerously. It was March 12th, and New Jack suffered legitimate brain damage and a broken leg, uh, permanently blinding himself in the right eye when him and his uh, opponent, Vic Grimes, uh, it says it fell around a 15-foot scaffold. What really happened was Vic was not game to jump, and so New Jack said, fuck that, and we're going, and when they jumped... They missed every fucking table, and Vic Grimes, big body, he was a big dude, fell right on top of New Jack's head, crushing his head, having, you know, brain uh, juices, if you will, come out of his skull, and just really fucking him up. He comes back a year later, Chris. They have they have a comeback, you know, um, match with the two of them, with an even bigger scaffold, with a whole pyramid of chairs, and... Sandman even admits that he was with New Jack when he buys the taser and tells him what he's going to do. Tases the shit out of Vic Grimes at the, at the top of it and then tosses his ass off of the, the scaffold, trying to get him to hit the floor. Probably would have killed him if that happened. But luckily, he caught a couple tables and just, you know, went really hard into the, uh, the mat and only suffered some minor injuries, uh, thankfully. But admitting once again he tried to fucking kill someone like and like it was nothing like there was no type of remorse whatsoever with him yeah it's such a different tone episode than the last <laughs> the benoit series that we watched at this point now that i'm thinking about it um to think about the fact that someone gets like a drug charge for 10 years for marijuana versus some of the things that new jack did to people is uh fucking baffling but that's maybe a different conversation for a different show uh yeah i mean this one was also one of those ones it was a hot click uh er early downloads some tape trading etc Vic grimes getting tossed off this thing and later on in shoot interviews like you said he was like hell yeah i tried to kill him he's like he hurt me he almost killed me so you know basically what what's the old adage it is uh knife or an eye so yep. 
I, I guess that's how he saw it. And uh, even New Jack says my only like he he didn't say it in this interview, but I have in other shoots heard him say something to the effect of I wish I would have threw him harder. And I don't know what that necessarily means about New Jack or where New Jack was at in his life at that point. Or and also, can we can we can we put in perspective? Okay, yes, they agreed on the scaffold match and the bump. But the concept of you fucked, you know, you you hurt me, you took me out for a year. New Jack fucking forced him to fall off of it, pulled him on top of them. They miss every table and the guy falls on his fucking head. And I mean, it's like that's kind of, you know, just don't kill me, New Jack, but like that's kind of your bad. And then to retaliate about it, the guy doesn't try calling you throughout the year, which Hey, he probably should have. Maybe he's terrified of you because you fucking try to kill him. And then you actually try to kill him again, admittingly, trying to say that you're going to throw him to the ground. It's just fucking nuts, man. Just wow. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a different level of receipt <laughs> that we're used to talking about on this show. That's for sure. <laughs> I'd, yeah, I would say so. All right, so in, like, the last two segments were two other situations where, um, you know, shit kind of got crazy. It was like uh, he did a random show for – I don't think it was, like, a big promotion. XPW, I believe, was named the promotion. But uh, he went against longtime wrestler Gypsy Joe. I'm going to see when Gypsy Joe got started since I have my phone in front of me. Um, I mean, it did Gypsy- say he was 71, so fucking 71 years old. Ago. He started in 1951. You know, from Puerto Rico, uh, didn't look like a big dude. New Jack, he basically came up to him. I don't even think he gave him some pointers or notes. He just said that, like, hey, kid, if you come out here, I can teach you some stuff. And his whole entire concept was basically, I guess, the Ultimate Warrior must have stole it off of Gypsy Joe of, of no selling everything. Um, <laughs> and uh, the whole concept of his words triggered, uh, you know, New Jack pretty much for almost all of these assaults. Right at the beginning, New Jack admits, like, oh, I was high on cocaine. Like, it was, like, very much similar to the Dave Chappelle uh, skit with, um, god damn it, um, Rick James. And Rick James pretty much admits on every story that he was high on cocaine. This same fucking thing. Real with wrestling, which is supposed to be a a fictitious sport. Like, you know, a, a played sport with this crazy guy that basically just gets in the ring with him. And um, just kicks the shit out of him. He just violently destroys him throughout the whole entire arena, throwing chairs at him, you know, stabbing him with things. And people in the audience are fucking just like completely like bewildered, you know, saying racial shit to him and stuff like that, which just fuels him to keep on just destroying this dude. Um, And, uh, you know, Gypsy Joe is trying. I will say on the racial shit, I've. I will say on the racial shit, I've never seen that video clip, so I'd want to go back and watch it because once again, this is spins into one of those New Jack tales, and this would have been like in mid two thousand, like two thousand six, two thousand seven. This isn't Smoky Mountain, per to say. Yeah, yeah, I I see what you're saying. No, I I do. Um, it the violence itself, you know, just him realizing that he at one part saw an old dude and then after a while just did not happen. And, uh, you know, 
he had but basically I think Joe like headbutted him in the Joe the the nose and then New Jack um he got a chain you know he, he just started whooping his ass with a bat he hit him a couple times in the head with the bat he took barbed wire to his face I mean and this is in front of like a gym full of people and uh yeah and then the last one that was like the uh the 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 big ending of of and I'm sure there's been other minor things here and there throughout everything but. I, he was working for a promoter. I forgot what his name was, but he actually knew a good. He was like the only person that seemed to know a good side of Jack and how he loved to cook and like you know he loved music and he was really really funny joking guy. That we didn't see that, and I don't think most of his friends, even Sandman, saw that side of Jack. They just saw that that killer. And it's just strange that this promoter then explains and sets up that. One of his other wrestlers, this redheaded white dude, I forgot what his name was, might have been something red, um, you know, has this match with New Jack. He requests it. He has some ideas with New Jack. New Jack lays out what they're actually going to do. He kind of gets pissy about it, gets the hell out of there. New Jack gets mad about it, admits he goes and does some blow, and then gets in a match with him. He said that he had a, a real, like, Wolverine, like, you know, the comic book character claw thing. There was three metal claws, and I've seen these before. They sell them at, like, you know, weapons places and shit. And the middle one had broke off, so he put that in his, um, hit it somewhere, basically, and at one part in the match, when the other guy's trying to, you know, go into business for himself, if you will. Uh, it's kind of funny talking about a guy like that going against New Jack, who probably did it all the time. Uh, New Jack takes out the blade and starts stabbing him. And even his friend D'Lo Brown never saw something like this and stabbed him, I think, nine times. The reason why it was nine times is because they said and claimed that it was 15. And New Jack goes, no, it was definitely nine. I, I, I counted the amount of times I stabbed him like I wanted to fucking sure. do Like, you know, it was definitely nine. Just And the fucked up thing is the dude – New Jack's going to go away for jail for a long time because of this, but the guy wants to drop the charges for an angle for them to travel up Georgia. Well, he drops charges, New Jack gets out, and never talks to the motherfucker ever again. Chris. <laughs> I mean, in New Jack's defense on that one, he did say, I was worried about retaliation in which I might get stabbed in the ring or something. So, I mean, if I stabbed a guy, I wouldn't necessarily want to go work in a wrestling match with him. <laughs> for the follow-up of that um in what what ha i mean he he says and they even showed it Dilo said it and a couple other people that are watching it said that the guy stiff new jack which is probably a fucking bad idea um yeah but still at this point new jack shouldn't have been wrestling and no one should have been booking him at the, i mean he had thrown a guy from a fucking scaffold trying to kill him and it was a well-known fact in the wrestling world at the time i mean it, i mean this was all over dirt sheets and magazines and everything when he tried to kill vic grimes so the fact that any booker would even book him makes me disrespect that guy as a booker to some extent like i get it he is a guy you can get in and i'm not trying to take food off new jack's table and whatever but like as a booker <laughs> if your choices are like new jack and like I don't know, like Hornswoggle or someone else that may have fell in a, like Buff Bagwell or someone who may have fallen out of a major promotion. Maybe you just go with that guy as opposed to New Jack, knowing kind of the track record with, with it. We'll say 
with experienced workers, you never hear this about New Jack. But with anyone that he doesn't really know or like someone that has slighted him slightly, you hear these weird ass stories about New Jack. So uh, maybe they should have went with someone a little different. Yeah, he's definitely not the Mickey Mouse of pro wrestling. That's for sure. Uh, not clean and shiny. <laughs> um, but hey, man, he's definitely a personality within it. I don't condone anything he's done. He probably knows he's a pretty fucking awful person for doing a lot of that shit. And I don't think he cares. And I guess that's the, uh, the bottom line, if you will. Um, at the end of it, they kind of asked friends of his people like Sam and like Delo, like, do you know the difference? And we kind of talked about this with Jim Cornette's answers and shit like that. And I, I don't think there is a difference. I think that that is just a moniker for him and that he went into wrestling and used that as a way to get out some of his violent tendencies based on everything in his life building back or going back, I should say from his childhood. So uh, very interesting episode, I'd say the least um, very violent. There's not a lot of wrestlers like new Jack, you know, they're, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or, or if a bad thing or whatever, but uh, any closing statements before we move on, Chris? I will say it's a bad thing from people not being able to push the limitations of what is right and wrong on wrestling and maybe having these kind of cutting-edge promos that he was having in Smoky Mountain. Um, that realism and that level of heat that he had there is something to be wary of. And also, like I said, he had some really good matches there. Uh, I think New Jack... As a wrestler, if you could separate all the other crazy shit, which is pretty much impossible, specifically during his Smoky Mountain run, I don't know if they just had him calm down or if it was... I, I have no idea on what happened, but there's definitely a transformation between him hitting like his maybe like a year and a half into ECW to what he was in Smoky Mountain uh, with the gangsters and what that crew was and what that... Some of the social lines they tried to divide and, and they... The way they were able to get over his heels, whether you agree with it or not, uh, because, it, I mean, it is kind of racist. I mean, super fucking racist if you actually think about it. But he was able to get that shit over, and his promos were great. I mean, not only promos against, like, white people, but the even stuff he said against the NAACP. I mean, there was a lot of things there to take away from New Jack being a good promo in a decent in-ring worker working with, you know, Rock and Roll Express and, and things like that. Like they're not going to put this man in the ring with rock and roll express. if They thought he was actually going to kill one of the members of the rock and roll express. So something snapped and changed at some point in this man's career. I will say, if you go back and watch some of that early smoky mountain wrestling and, and the promos that he cut, they were pretty fucking good. Maybe, maybe up there in the bet, like maybe up there in the top 30, top 20 promos. Uh, especially if you consider, you know, if you're not easily offended, so I'll say that about him, but everything else after that, I mean, the the mass transit shit already is kind of a mark on his name. He, we don't know what happened in that ring. We don't know what was said, or et cetera. We know what was said afterwards, and there's video of what was said afterwards and such, but uh, I mean, the fact that he was going to plead guilty for assaulting this man with his acto knife kind of should have shaped the rest of his career, and maybe Booker should have been a little bit smarter on on booking him. What I will say is he did take some high risks that we saw from other wrestlers like Jeff Hardy and uh, I mean like uh, John Danzig and in uh, CZW and and I think they even alluded to that a little bit with uh, ultra violent hardcore wrestling being associated with New Jack. 
So, I mean... Do you think Nick some... Gage was a fan of New Jack? <laughs> Nick Gage? Uh, maybe. Nick Gage, <laughs> also crazy. Apparently not crazy in the ring, just outside of the ring. He seems like he actually... like I mean, he had a match with Brian Alvarez, who I'm assuming that was a very soft work match. <laughs> God, he had... would he want it? <laughs> I would say Brian Alvarez had less experience than uh, Gypsy... Was it Gypsy Joe <laughs> in the Christ. ring? Gypsy Joe. I mean, I guess, you know, Brian Alvarez did have the insurance of Tom Lawler being in there, just in case. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just recent. That's like a year ago. And, I, and, you know, like I said, most of Nick Gage's, I mean, Nick Gage has done some crazy ass shit to himself and to other people in CZW, but it, I don't, none of his shit ever came off as a shoot. It's more of his outside, like, he like tried to rob a liquor like liquor store or gas station went to jail for that for a little bit like you don't hear any of these stories about nick gage the the actual only wrestler you ever hear about shooting this hard in the ring is was it is it baba just beating the shit out of that guy that's the only other shoot i can think of that's even close to like and that's not even close it's not even close by a fucking mile of what new jack would do to people if they really slighted him as far as wrestling and then the ring I mean, you hear people, just, you, hear, you hear about people stiffing each other, but you don't like, you know, like really throwing them in. Like, you know, Vader's head almost got knocked off, but he wrote that off to Stan Hansen almost being blind. <laughs> I, still, know, or, I, still, I still love how like <laughs> Vader, you can hear him go like, damn it, Stan, you, you knocked my eye out of my skull. Like, you know, he's just so kind of meek about it because he, did, he didn't really have that aggressive voice. I just found a really sad video of the end of the match between Nick Gage and, and New Jack, and they're both, like, just bloodied up. I'm just – hardcore wrestling has never been my thing so much. Um, some of the crazy shit they do, though. Holy fuck. I just, some, of, some of my favorite wrestlers are grounded in hardcore wrestling, so I can't say that. I mean, Terry Funk and Sabu's – brutal yeah. ass barbed wire matches up there is one of my favorite matches oh, that's hard to watch man that ending when they're wrapped together and you just like jesus fucking christ but it it's became great <laughs> but it's great um but there's also a storytelling element and new jack's matches when he went hardcore a lot of it was high spots which was a big thing of ecw i think it's just more of wrestling changing a little bit and now you know as i'm older not as bloodthirsty anymore and Okada's having like 60 minute <laughs> fucking great matches without any blood or anything. It kind of puts things in perspective a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm not, I, I, I not necessarily want to watch CZW tournament of death per se, but I'm also not the anti hardcore guy. I don't want it to come off like that. Oh yeah. I, I don't a, care a, if I do it, but it's just not for me, especially when you go into like, you know, especially like parts of Japan, hardcore wrestling where it's, I don't know. I mean, I used to watch, that's the funny thing is like, you know, if I got a chance to get some FMW to watch Mr. Pogo go against Terry Funk in a fucking landmine match, I would think that was awesome when I was a kid. Now it's like, all right, that's, that's good. I'm, I'm fine. You know, I'll just, <laughs> you know what it is. One day you woke up and your body hurt more than it used to. <laughs> and I was like, like, I don't know no, why anyone would do that. That's that's so dumb. <laughs> that's funny yeah. is like we, we talk about like neck spots and like people in ECW were throwing people <laughs> from like 15 feet off a scaffold and shit. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's where we're. I think that's an age. Not only that, a, a, a plus three hundred, a three hundred pound plus dude off the fucking scaffold. But and, I mean, you know, you know what sucks the most about that whole entire thing, Chris, is the geometry person that put up those tables perfectly and was like, "Wow, that looks really great." Like, you know, when they go through it, it's going to be pretty devastating, but no one's going to get that hurt because there's so many of them. And New Jack's like, you know, hold my beer, and he fucking just tosses him. <laughs> how, di- how, of- how disappointed do you think the indie promotion was, where they went out and spent like? Let's say they're forty dollars a table. <laughs> Me and you have budget on those fucking tables. <laughs> Me and you have been to uh, indie shows, and most of the time they use old doors. I don't know if you've yeah. noticed that. Instead of using tables, they'll use old doors between sawhorses, or they'll set up an old door in the corner and throw someone through an old door. Back in the day, <laughs> apparently. Back in the day. <laughs> they would just blow the. Blow the. <laughs> blow the entire budget on fucking folding tables that New Jack would purposely miss. I mean, I guess maybe they were relieved. They were like, ah, we still got the moment. <laughs> and now we get to reuse these tables. Maybe it's a solid investment if New Jack's involved. I don't know. I'm still wondering. You didn't. You, we didn't really actually go into it. It's not your fault. I was about to say, you didn't answer me. All right. Like I said, you get Bob Holly and you get New Jack both really drunk and fucked up on cocaine, and you let them fight. Who do you think? Who do you think's gonna win? Bob Holly is just an asshole. I think New Jack has proven to the world that he's an actual crazy person that will never stop coming. So, I mean, who do I think would live? Maybe New yes. Jack. <laughs> like but multiple people might get stabbed throughout the duration of this. I mean, because even if Bob, let's say Bob Holly whips the shit out of him, there's nothing that's going to stop New Jack from, like, stabbing him later on. Yeah, that's a good point. It's one of those things. Now, what would have been, now, now, what's the real question is if you have a similar situation where, like, Brock Lesnar stiffs New Jack and New Jack stabs Brock Lesnar, is Brock Lesnar even phased? And then also, <laughs> does New Jack walk out of that ring? That's 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 the real question. God, that would be like, I don't know. I, I forgot. There was something in a Batman comic. I think he stabbed Bane and Bane like just looked at it like, are you fucking kidding me? And just like Batman's hand and forced him to pull it back out. Um, that, that's exactly what Brock Lesnar would do. You know, you know, if, 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 if he's like, if I would have had this 10 years earlier, who would have beat WCW? <laughs> In WWF. <laughs> Those motherfuckers. Uh, so, I mean, what was your overall opinion of the show? I guess let's just, if we rate it out of five, maybe we'll do the Benoit one and rate this one out of five. What, what do you rate the Benoit two-part series, and what do you rate this one on the scale of five? Um, I, the Benoit two-parter was very well done. I learned a lot of new stuff. Uh, I mean, it was unfortunate information, anything I knew or didn't know, but... You know, I thought it was good. Um, I'll probably give that documentary a nine. I thought it was very well made. I mean, it it does have the luxury of being a two-part episode, so there's more stuff. There's more meat. But I loved how they also situated uh, Eddie's passing as just a big – it's like just as big of a part of the whole story. So um, that was good. And for New Jack, probably six and a half, almost seven. I thought it was fine. You know, it was interesting. But like you said – a lot of us diehard wrestling fans, at least I knew most of them. I didn't know the, the last two with Gypsy Joe and the redheaded dude, but, 
you know, um, it was, we, I think most wrestling fans know that new Jack's fucking crazy. He's pretty goddamn gangster. And, uh, you know, that's how he is. And he stabs motherfuckers if he wants to, um, yeah, I don't know. All right. So we're going to do a scale of uh, 10. Oh, sorry. <laughs> five. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I, I would say the Benoit's are like a solid like 8.5 to me. That two-part series I thought was really good. Um, this one was like a 5 or a 6. So I'm kind of in the same ballpark as you as far as what it is. But like I said, it, I think more of it is that there was no emotional connection with any of the characters. They were just like, look how crazy New Jack is. Uh, and this that's how the docu- a giant asshole. He, that's basically how the entire documentary came off. And that's more of just New Jack, like Jim Cornette said at the very beginning of the episode. He's not going to tell you a lot about his childhood other than these two things, which I've heard in multiple shoot interviews. and The Vic Grimes stuff, like I said, I've heard. The Mass Transit stuff, I've heard. Uh, so it was a lot of repeat PETA stuff. And you didn't have any kind of emotional connection to it like you did the Benoit stuff. or, or I mean, even going back to uh, last year's season, like there were some other great ones there. Maybe we should even go back and rank the Von Erichs. Yeah, the Von Erich one I I think was a, like a solid eight. That was a pretty fucking good one. That's it. It's better than I the WWE now, version. I think now after yeah, it was better than the WWE version. It was even better than the uh, mini thirty for thirty they did. They did like a a half thirty for 30, so a fifteen minute one about it. But um, uh, the Von Erichs one is now the second most depressing out of all of them, I believe, uh, after the Chris Benoit one. But that one is pretty – it's just a sad, sad fucking story. Not a lot of upside. I mean, if you're mass transit, this is the first most saddest, like, right? Like, you're a 17-year-old kid. You just love wrestling, and this happened to you. Everyone's the hero of their own story. That's what I'm getting at. All right, Chris. You know what? You can you can stick the hero <laughs> of the mass transit up booty. You should have been doing some wrestling in WWE, going against like you know people like well whatever shitty gimmicks they had, the Duke, Duke the Drum Dumpster Drozzy and and whatnot. And, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what to, be fair, to be fair, he was Max Moon. <laughs> can we talk about all right? One thing before we leave this, can we talk about how many bookers still booked New Jack after that? I know, man. It's fucked up. <laughs> Whatever for a dollar, dude. <laughs> you know who didn't do that? Vince. And Vince gets a lot of scorn from a lot of people. But, you know, the easy thing would have been like, we should get New Jack on the CCW show. Not even Vince could pull the trigger on that. He's like, ah, I don't fucking know. Here's even that. a better question. How, who the fuck's the one who evaluated? They're like, oh, shit, Axel Rotten didn't make it. Who's someone that's kind of as tough as Axel Rotten that can do this? Hey, you, fat kid, come here. Like, what's Like, no, that's stupid. I, I mean, that goes back to Paul Heyman probably not paying people and the fact that it was a travel show, because I think they said it was in Massachusetts, so it had been outside of Philly, so everyone living in Philly probably bailed. I mean, was he teaming with Devon Dudley? Like, why was Axel Rotten te- teaming with Devon Dudley to begin with? Like, I don't know what the storyline of that was uh, to fucking begin with. But my guess would be like Bubba Ray's like, I don't have the fucking money to go to Massachusetts, Paul. You haven't paid me. Um, <laughs> that would that would be my guess. You're, you're saying the name of my state completely wrong. You know, next time I'll have to whack you, Chris. It's Massachusetts. Okay, well, oh, Massachusetts. No, not Massachusetts. What are you? <laughs> what? 
<laughs> what the fuck was that? Man, she... <laughs> you don't have to do a Peter Griffin voice. <laughs> this this fucking guy right here, this fucking wicked asshole. Fuck. All right. Um. Anyways. Are you, are you, sure? <laughs> are you sure that's not the voice you have to do? Hey, with hey, hey, where are you from? State? Hey, where, where where's AJ Styles from? Hey, man. I'm from I'm from Gainesville, Georgia, boy. Gainesville, fucking Georgia. Gainesville, Georgia. All right. Home of the Red Elephants. Roll, roll tight. Roll, roll, roll fuck tight. Well, not that one in Alabama. They can, they can fuck off. All right. Um, the Undertaker started off. Uh, kind of speaking about Adrian Styles. Uh, Undertaker started off raw. Uh, after they did a little package, you know, going back and forth with what's been going on between AJ Styles and Undertaker. Well done package, but you know, with AJ. He had like the last word last week, so they allowed the Undertaker to say what he wanted to say. I thought the interview, or not the interview, I thought the promo was great. I thought Undertaker was awesome. I love that it was like a little bit. He's going down the middle of the Dark Man and the American Badass. Like I guess they're trying to represent what would be the closest to Mark his actual identity, if you will. But I mean, he even combined his phrases saying he was going to make his, him famous, which was his, his uh, you know, um, what the the other styled, uh, you know, Dead Man Inc. version. And then told me he was going to rest in peace. So it was cool with that. I liked some of the statements that he said. I like him bringing out the people that he's beaten compared to AJ Styles and how he's basically a, a small fish in a big pond, if you will. Um, the only thing that I will say is that if you want to bring Michelle into it, great. Uh, we all know that you didn't even believe that line about her having a better, uh, styles clash than AJ styles. I- I'm glad that you said that. I hope you get some points at home, take her, but you know, give me a fucking break. I mean, just wanted to say that. Um, I've only seen her do it a couple times, but I'm just saying, you know, um, not trying to be a dick to the dead man because I don't want to get killed, but. There's no fucking way possible that's true. Anyways, so like I said, good promo to start off things. Um, I like this. I really do feel that, you know, whatever the decision-making was for this, it does – I'm getting more and more okay with it, Chris, because, yeah, AJ can get a lot out of The Undertaker, and I feel like maybe this is Undertaker wanting to get – picking a couple last people to go against – uh, before his way out, you know, and maybe AJ's someone I haven't fought him. You know, Undertaker's fought fucking everyone in wrestling, for Christ's sakes, uh, for at least the time period that we watch wrestling. And, uh, you know, AJ's another person. I think they should have a good match. Uh, the, the Boneyard match is interesting concept. Um, I, like I said, buried alive, but at a, you know, with pirates or some shit. Maybe Johnny Depp will be there. I don't think that will happen. How'd you like this promo? I thought it was a pretty good promo from old ass Undertaker. Uh, I don't like the blurring the line between the two. I think you're either one or the other. You're either the the, the fucking undead or you're badass ink. So from that standpoint, I didn't like it necessarily. The Michelle McCool, that's laughable. <laughs> Michelle McCool doing anything better than AJ Styles. If you're like AJ Styles, paint your toenails. I'm sure you would still do it better than Michelle I'm not even trying to be a dick. Like AJ Styles is better in every way than Michelle McCool outside of being the Undertaker's wife, which after WrestleMania, maybe those two will get married. Um, no, all fucking around and joking aside, uh, it was a decent promo. 
I don't like they brought Michelle McCool into it. Maybe they thought they had to because she did the rumble spot for them. And uh, I think maybe they're going to try to put her in the Hall of Fame next year would be my guess. And uh, the only thing I can think about is you, you remember that time that DDP stole Sarah or kidnapped Sarah? Sarah. What, what happened to Sarah? She she buried Dane. Is Sarah buried? These are the hot takes that we need on this podcast. Look, Christopher, if we're going to talk about that whole entire concept, how about we just say that, you know, you have arguably, if, if we're going down this fucking route because I'm still sore about the Sarah fucking angle with DDP, you have arguably one of the most popular people from that era, and they they finally get Diamond Dallas Page. Hey, what should we do with them? Oh, let's have him stalk the Undertaker's wife. Fuck you to that person in creative, especially if it's Vince. <laughs> Fuck you, and then what did he just... do? He became a motivational speaker, and <laughs> then he kind of became a motivational speaker in real life. But I love DDP. What a waste. The, probably the biggest waste, I would say, out of the WCW guys in fucking WWE. I mean, out of the WCW guys, who – I mean, if you if you take away the people that were there, like Eddie and, and Jericho and obviously Ray, and in that gang that left before WCW ended, out of everyone that was there, is Booker T the only person that did anything? Yep. Yep, I would say so, because Sting, they couldn't get. Ric Flair, they got, but, I mean, they've already had Ric Flair. Um, yeah, I would say that Booker T's the only one who pretty much advanced a bit, you know, minus the ones they already had with Eddie and Chris and, and Jericho and shit. So, uh, Ray, maybe, because Ray came in a little bit later. Um, but even, like, NWO, all those guys are WWE guys beforehand. So, yeah, I think you're right, Booker T. And I have a I have a question for the fans, maybe a fan poll. Maybe you guys can uh, add us on Twitter on this one. Has Michelle McCool ever had a good match? I I, I will wait because I, I watched a lot of the Divas Division, and I'm gonna go ahead and say that that's some of the worst. Uh, in then the knockoff in TNA with Beautiful People was slightly better, but some of that stuff, that Mean Girl stuff with her and Mickey James and the shit they were doing back then was absolutely awful. I'm very thankful. Not to call it a women's revolution, because I still think the tag division is in shambles, and sometimes they take their eye off the ball. But what I will say is, like, fucking female wrestling is a thousand times better than when Michelle Bacool was there. And, like, having her pivot anything for your audience while talking about a focus on female wrestling is kind of absurd, outside of her being married to Undertaker. Well, she is going to be mad at you for saying that, Chris, because she got mad when they had the little montage i think it was like a fucking website article about women that inspired the the revolution and then she got undertaker to tweet like you know that he was like it was disrespectful or whatever so she she disagrees with you she she created this fucking shit man she did it we're talking too much shit about the undertaker's wife and we're gonna die do you realize that right I mean, like, what, I'm just going to get blocked by Taker on Twitter, which is ran by her, so it's fine. Not worried about it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll move on. Uh, the next thing, they had, a, they had a recap of the Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch match from last year at WrestleMania 35. Um, I did actually end up watching it because I didn't have a lot to watch. And I will say that now watching this, 
um, for a second time. Oh, is this the part where they had Becky come out at the beginning and she kind of like introduced it and then at the end of it, yeah, okay, then Shayna Baszler, yeah, that's right. So the match itself, I remember being a lot more down on it when I first watched it and I hadn't watched it since last year. And I think that the main reason why I was down on it besides the botched finish and a couple like uh, parts that were a little bit awkward here and there is I was so fucking tired and this is the last match on that giant WrestleMania so I, I actually liked it, uh, this showing a bit more. Um, when it was all over, Becky gave a damn good promo and then got attacked by Shayna Baszler, who attacked her from behind, choked her out, and posed with the Raw Women's Championship and then threw it on top of Becky's face. Um, thought it was pretty good. Uh, Becky was pretty good on the on the mic. I know that there's not a lot there's, – there's a lot of people that are not big Shayna fans. I've said a million times I'm not one of them. I think she's pretty convincing. She's pretty intimidating. And I'm still looking forward to this match, uh, not so much compared to the other women's match uh, with uh, Charlotte um, and Rhea Ripley, but I'm still looking forward to this match uh, somewhat. Uh, Chris, how did you did you did you even watch the match, the rewatch it, or what, what did you do? Were you naked? <laughs> no, but I, I've rewatched the match multiple times. I mean, the one takeaway from that is it was a good idea to put Charlotte in there as filler. For that match, especially if you weren't having, if you if you were not going to have Ronda go over, um, the big takeaway from that match, as we talked about, as soon as it happened, it was the finish was fucked uh, to the point where Ronda almost seemed like the finish was fucked, and then they gave us an angle where Ronda might come back, and then she left, and now she's on nine one one on Fox or whatever. So maybe she'll come back to SmackDown. Who knows? I guess Ronda versus Bailey, two thousand twenty one. Are you still into the Shayna Baszler, Becky Lynch setup for WrestleMania? They should have played out on Shayna being more of an attack character. And I guess I get why they didn't Um, just because everything that went on with her biting her neck and trying to basically kill her. I expected that was the Shayna we were going to get leading to Mania. Obviously, things change. There's nothing they can do about that. I think they're going to have a good match. My problem is I feel like every time Becky is in a match with someone they can like shoot, so to speak, she wrestles a different style and goes away from kind of the normal Becky spots you want to see in a match. And also, I didn't like her character build up to the match itself. So it's probably going to be a wonky ass match. Whereas like if you have Shayna versus Bianca Belair, it's going to be a good match because they've worked together a lot. I could be wrong because they filmed this thing. So they could have fucking perfected it. It could be amazing. Who the hell knows? I, I, but in a live arena, if you were like, would you rather see Bianca Belair and Shayna Baszler or Io Shirai and Shayna Baszler or Asuka and Shayna mm-hmm. Baszler? You could have gave me a bunch of different options. Same thing with uh, Becky. You could throw her in with a bunch of other people. I would prefer that more. But the fact that Becky's primary move is a submission move versus like a straight UFC grappler whose whole gimmick has been about choking people out, and breaking arms, and being a complete asshole. It's the same thing with Ronda without the buildup. Um, and without it being Ronda, it, it is a little weird. But I'm looking forward to the match because I think if it's filmed right and done right, it could still be a really good match. Yep, I agree. And from everything that uh, Triple H was saying, he's making it sound it's what we're 
kind of expecting. I think it's going to be somewhat cinematic. Um, I would. I, the only thing I can like think of is uh, with Baron Corbin how he threw off um, Elias. Um, something to that extent, but uh, the filming will be differently. I know that they are going to be filming stuff live, uh, and stuff will be at the Performance Center, but a lot of it will be pre-recorded stuff in different locations. So they're going to be trying some new stuff. Oh. It should be interesting. Uh, I'm not going to complain so that, if, about the WrestleMania, that, you know. That's a little bit weird for me because I've heard that everything is done, like canned. Oh, everything's done. Everything's – well, that's what Triple H said. He said that there's some stuff they are going to sh- uh, film live. You're right, right about that because we all heard originally um, – I think I have the quote right here. Uh He said it's very innovative the way that they're doing it this year and that he thinks that will be – I mean, if, what, what the fuck do you expect him to say? But um, they also said they have a very unique way of uh, removing Roman Reigns from this that we'll see this Sunday. Um, this is this just happened today. And what should I should should I go into the suspect manner of how they're trying to take money from people right now? Yeah, you can actually go you, you can go into that a bit. Um, I have no problem with that. All right, so they're gonna show this pay per view. It's a two day pay per view. You can buy both days, like thirty dollars a piece, so sixty dollars for all of WrestleMania, unless you're a WWE Network subscriber, in which you get it for nine dollars, like normal, which is fine. We kind of knew this was going to happen. Problem is, they haven't even announced what fucking matches are on what fucking days. We're sitting here looking at Mania being a week away, essentially. Um, They're putting this on the Fox app and the Fight Network app for $30 a day, and they're going to toss in some random stuff. I guess it's going to be an all-day occurrence, but it's just a money grab and a time that a money grab doesn't seem appropriate at fucking if I'm being honest, people are losing their jobs. It's, it's just the time to dial it back and give them the 90 or even offer a free fucking trial. Uh, it's just one of those WWE money grab bullshit things that I hate. I was completely fine with it. If we go back, I, mean, I don't know, like eight or ten podcasts ago, we were talking about this originally. It's like, well, if they're just trying to get a casual fan for a pay-per-view buy or whatever, sure. But it's a different... The times are different, and the fact that they're not promoting that you can get this for $9.99 on the WWE Network, and they're really pushing the Fox app to the point where if you search WWE WrestleMania right now, it's going to show a bunch of Fox shit because Fox. Um, so if you're just a casual-ass fan, you may think that's the way you need to pay for it and watch it, which is just, to me, is just very just, just uh, gross. It's just gross to even talk about. Like, I know you're trying to recoup money and shit, but I don't think it's necessarily the way to do it. Really left a fucking bad taste in my mouth, dude, leading into this podcast. So, let me get this straight. You're, you're annoyed that they're not advertising so much to the public, people that don't, you know, aren't, aren't like us, that we don't, that don't watch wrestling all the time, that are probably looking for stuff to watch. Um, the fact that you can get the network for $9.99 and be able to watch it, uh, as opposed to having to spend money on these cable programming to be able to 
you know, or not cable programming, but ESPN's uh, app or whatnot, or if it's Fox's app or whatever, to be able to watch these and how much of a, a money difference it is than if they were to advertise to the public that if they could do their network, it's nine ninety nine and they get both pay-per-views. Yeah, I mean, it should be the same across the board. If you're going to do it, it should be the same across the board for everyone involved. This is I like agree. if I go to Midas and it's $15 to get an oil change, and I go down the street and it's $30 to get a fucking oil change. I don't need this in wrestling, and uh, I think it's very bad timing and a very poor decision that they're going to get buried on. They already have on Wrestling Observer and a few other places. Um, also, the fact that you're selling this thing already and you don't have matches predated to what fucking night they're going to go on or the show edited together is kind of just, to me, it's a very scummy feel to it. That I mean, I, I don't know what I'm expecting. This is a company that does a bunch of Saudi Arabia shows and leaves a wrestler stranded for fucking six days not to shoot on WWE, but it's pretty fucking awful. I'll say that. Yeah, it definitely is uh, not the nicest thing to do. Uh, for your fan base, but you know, exploiting people that just don't know. I, I, this is something I could completely see WWE doing. Um, if they're including extra stuff, I mean, that's great. But once again, if you get the network, you get all that stuff and then much more. So, yeah, it's probably something that where they should be just being more honest about it. And I'm sure, I would hope at least they're displaying on Fox and on ESPN when they're showing these past WrestleManias and all these other deals that they're doing uh, that, you know, there is the option of the network. Cause I would, I would think you'd want to advertise your network as well, but you know, they could be just going for that money. They were going to do something similar to this anyways, and possibly take us off of it. Uh, I guess they felt bad for the people that actually do the network. Cause there's a possibility, you know, Chris, that me or you would have to fucking do this. If that whole entire thing with the SPN, you know, stuck around and everything was normal before this whole corona coronavirus happened, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you, you would have got a monthly subscription bump from like 9 to 15 or something, it wouldn't have been as much as the pocket in as your casual fans or whatever. But if this is the way to draw in your Fox audience, I mean, it's just in poor taste. And I, I watched some of the stuff on ESPN two weeks ago. And they were say, showing, uh, what is the John Cena WrestleMania? I'm trying to think of the 32 or I'm trying to remember. Um, I didn't see any advertisements about the WWE Network at all. Yep. It's a little strange to me. Um, oh, I don't think it's strange. I expect shit like that. So, just, it's, just don't, you feel like someone there would have enough social sense to know the end. Like, if you get 2000 $30 a piece for Saturday's show. <clears throat> Fuck. It's not worth the bad publicity of having shows at different prices when you're a company as big as WWE. It's just stupid. Like, it's not even... It's stupid beyond the level of stupid. It's just bad business. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah, I agree. Um, so anyways, going back to what I was saying about Triple H... He basically said they're going to be doing different segments. Uh, they're not all going to be in the performance center, so I was wrong. I don't think anything is going to be live per se, but um, he said he just said it was very unique the way that they did it. And so, you know, obviously he's not going to say this is going to be terrible. 
but you know, um, it's going to be interesting the way that they film it. It's, it's going to be a very different take on it. And, uh, yeah, just, um, strange about it. What are you going to do? So let's uh, talk about, let's keep on moving with Rob. And, uh, we had just a match for a newcomer, Jason Cade, take advantage of some airtime and go out and get black mass really quickly by Alistair black. Black is supposed to be going against Bobby Lashley. Originally reported he was on the injury or person that was sent home list. So now I'm kind of confused on what exactly is going to happen, but maybe that initial report was incorrect. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, I, this is the question that we've, we've had. This is kind of the last straw. If they kind of pretend like, oh, Bobby got attacked backstage. Who's going to go against Alistair? And they present someone that way, Chris, on Mania. Uh, who do you have go against Alistair? Fuck if I know, dude. <laughs> uh, I, who, who do you have? Let me go with you first and then maybe. Buddy I'll... Murphy. Just have him have a banger. Yeah, I, I think me and you both are stuck on the Buddy Murphy idea on this one. There's not a lot of I mean, choices. My my two choices are, I, I said, him and Buddy Murphy, let him have a fun match and go at it. And, or don't have Aleister Black a part of the match. Have him come out, because um, you saw Undertaker say, you know, bring Gallows and Anderson, those dipshits or whatever the fuck he called them. Have them get, get in the better of Undertaker, and Aleister makes a save, just like Undertaker did to him. To help him get his win, and there you go. There's there's nothing else needed with him. You can just use him as a person in that. But they probably didn't do that. Yeah, I'm an... damn son. I'm just gonna have to agree with you on this one. I mean, Buddy Murphy is probably the perfect match, unless they're gonna bring someone up. Alistair versus Alistair. I love that. That was one of my R2. favorite feuds. It's a good feud. Uh. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. Buddy Murphy makes the most sense. Well, speaking about people that kind of took advantage of this, that I was very happy to be involved in not only WrestleMania, but in a lot of the shows lately. And that is Austin Theory, um, because we found out that Kevin Owens is going against Street Profits uh, at the beginning of the match. um, Selena basically let us know that Andrade was out with a rib injury, which is legitimate. And so Angel Garza would be with uh, Austin Theory, and it kind of looks like they're giving Selena her own, you know, if they keep this going past everything, her own, um, you know, her own faction. So she has Austin Theory, Angel Garza, and the U.S. champion Andrade Cien Almas, but um, they teamed up with Seth Rollins. It's a pretty good match, back and forth. Uh, they showed before this Seth Rollins, you know, just going, just destroying KO with his promo the week previous. At the end of this match, uh, Owens got the win, uh, but Rollins came after and uh, gave him the stomp to the head and left the ring. And Owens, uh, you know, kind of uh, lit up Rollins' ass about just the fact that, you know, he he basically thinks that he started NXT and everything is him. And apparently like a lot of this happened uh, because of the fact that, you know, without him, if you will, and that he was a prima donna, just like little things that kind of just amplify this. And I am looking forward to these two guys kicking the shit out of each other. 
I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, um, pretty good match. Uh, fun stuff. Happy to see Austin Theory in uh, a big role. Uh, that tag match with the Street Profits and the two of them should be awesome. Angel's another guy that I think is the future. Um, said that a million times. I like that Selena's got like a little bit of faction going on, even if it's accidentally. And uh, I, I am more excited about Owens going against Rollins. I think that's going to be a fun match. Uh, I like that they're taking cuts about uh, their performance record, if you will, within WrestleMania. Uh, and now Owens, I think he's even fueled more so to kick the shit out of Seth, and I hope he gets a win, um, which is exactly what it was supposed to do. Uh, how did you like it, Chris? Yeah, same. I thought it was a very good uh, promo by Kevin Owens and uh, builds obviously to the match and hopefully they give them enough time and and maybe they don't edit it too much. Just have those two guys have a great ass match and I'm sure they can pull it off even in an empty arena. Uh, if anyone can pull it off, it'd be those two. I think it'd be great. All of that being said, uh, the Austin Theory thing, I'm still on the fence about just because Andrade's going to come back and they love Andrade, so I don't know where that leaves Theory, and now he's pushed the main roster without ever getting a shot on NXT. Yeah. Hopefully, the it's the opposite, where they just see a lot in Austin Theory, which I think a lot of wrestling fans see, and they're like, that's actually the guy that's going to come out heads up on this. Um, we'll see. That's a time time can tell. I mean, Austin Theory could just drop back down after coronavirus. Who knows? Um, right I think now, Angel might, too, because he was in NXT before they just pulled him up randomly when Andrade got hurt. There's definitely a possibility about that. Yeah, and I'm wondering if it's location to the building, etc. That has something to do with that as far as Austin Theory being there. It's just weird they pulled him up so quickly. Uh, but I mean, like him stealing Selena Vega and then having some kind of feud between the three of them and giving us those matches, that could be really fucking good because they're all great. Uh, like Andrade is really good in the ring. Angel Garza is a up and coming superstar and fucking everyone knows how we've gushed about Austin Theory and how good this fucking guy could be. So if they give us that, that could be really, really entertaining and maybe even fodder for Aleister Black if they decide to pull the trigger on that. God, I want to see Andrade and Aleister Black in a feud. They had such great matches in NXT, um, or any of them for that matter, but definitely between the two of them. Um, all right, so Edge talked about how Randy Orton uh, has been coasting his entire career. Basically just saying, like, you know, it's like to the level of uh, that you're okay with is better than most, but it's okay for you to just stay at that level, to never try to get higher you act like grit is getting chosen by by revolution and being pushed to the top by the people that you were with. Uh, you were completely content on just living off your family name. A lot of the stuff that he has been saying, but Edge, just his acting performance, and when he said, but, you know, when you brought my wife into this, when you said my daughter's names, you know, that changed things. And he's coming for Randy Orton, and I think that he's insinuating that he wants to destroy his career so this is going to be um the way they set up this match is awesome and um i'm really looking forward to it uh i thought it was another great promo on monday night raw same does this have a little bit of the tomasa champa gargano feel to it yeah to you absolutely absolutely and and by me saying that's like nothing negative i think that's actually a good thing um I mean, great promo by Edge. I think he's been good 
since coming back. And I'm really looking, I mean, this is probably the match I'm looking forward to the most. And if he punts Randy Orton at the end of it, because they can fake it, being that it's pre-recorded, he gives him the punt, and then Orton comes back three months later or whatever, I'm, I'm down for that rematch. Yep. I know they could have a they could have a trilogy really in front of them, especially based on both their lax schedules. All right, so we had Oscar uh, going against Caden Carter. This was just to get build Oscar more so, but I will say just like when she was in the um, the Gauntlet match uh, on NXT, I really like Caden Carter. I see a lot of potential in her, and I want her to stick around. She's definitely someone that's in the NXT realm. Of female performers that's not at that that top echelon but it's like you can tell that you know just because how deep that roster is she can be someone you know quite soon within it remember we have ember moon still coming back at some point she's almost done with her injury that's another person that's gonna be fun to get into the women's division on raw or smackdown love to see her back in nxt but that's not gonna happen i don't think they have room for it anyways um how'd you like this match thought it was a decent performance overall nothing groundbreaking but solid match um kind of fit in need when you talk about ember moon her career is so up in the air to me because i wonder if vince now sees her as injury prone, and that always makes me a bit worried whereas in nxt it seems like they kind of stick with people versus main roster if you catch a couple of injuries it's almost a little bit game over especially right after you come up You know, I would actually hope that Booker T would just tell her to, like, talk Triple H, go back to NXT, because she's another person that definitely can benefit from not having to be on the main roster and still being an attraction in NXT. But then again, like we said, that women's division is so deep, and when we go over NXT next, we'll uh, we'll get into that. Anyways, we have footage. Um Shot Flair attacking Rhea Ripley at uh, the beginning of the day, slamming her into a garage door-like thing. It wasn't a garage door. It was like one of those ones for uh, a warehouse. It doesn't matter. Um, and uh, when uh, Ripley arrived at the building, and then they showed the Brock Lester Rey Mysterio match in the Survivor Series, which was a good match, I will say. Last thing that happened, Paul Heyman talked about Brock Lester and how he's going to run WrestleMania and said that Brock's going to be in the go-home segment of the go-home Raw before next year's WrestleMania, just gloating about the fact that he's the biggest person. Basically, he's the most important thing for this whole entire show for Raw. And, uh, you know, lists all of his accomplishments, mixed in UFC legends uh, within there of people that he's beaten. And it's really impressive when you really think about it, uh, listing things that they've overcome from all those wrestlers and MMA fighters. And, uh, just builds Brock to being this force when it comes to combat sports. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. It doesn't matter if it's pro wrestling, you know, just straight wrestling or, or MMA. It's like he is someone that's kind of a uh, – he's a threat. He is a threat. And we'll have to wait to see if Drew McIntyre can take him. I hope he can due to what's going on. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. But we'll go over that type of stuff Saturday when we uh, go over the uh, WrestleMania card for Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Chris, how did you like the last couple segments? Uh, you know, we had Charlotte attacking Rhea Ripley. 
Then they showed Brock Lesnar and Rey Mysterio at Survivor Series. And I, I also, by the way, I don't think I said this. I love that Ray did a Joker costume for that because only Joker's crazy ass would get in the fucking ring with Brock Lesnar. I thought that was actually pretty fitting. <laughs> but, but anyways, and then Paul Heyman's speech, uh, you know, uh, revving up Brock Lesnar for Drew McIntyre this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the Ray Brock match, I think, is very underrated. We both kind of gushed over what they were able to accomplish. And as the years have passed, I've became more of a Brock mark, as everyone that listens to this show knows. I think he does really, really well if you put him against people he actually respects and give him enough time to do what he wants to do. Paul's promo was Paul's promo. I mean, it's just more of the same. He did not uh, promise this time that Brock was, as far as I remember, I don't remember. There's some golden word that Paul says when he knows Brock is going to win. Um, and he didn't necessarily hit said word. I'll have to go back and rewatch the promo again to uh, see it. So my guess is McIntyre, you know, he, kills Brock. Did he not say it was a spoiler? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't think it, that's what it was, a spoiler, right? And then they kind of teased it at Mania and made it a thing, but then they're going to try to bring it back. So, ah, man, McIntyre has to go over. So I'm assuming McIntyre wins and then sets up a few down the road in SummerSlam. If you want to put the title back on Brock, you can. I don't think he needs it. Drew definitely needs some strong wins. So two wins in a row by Drew would be smart by that company. And the Charlotte Flair angle... It, it was just a random attack angle. It was fine. I'm still looking forward to that match. I think it's going to be very, very good. Um, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair should be entertaining as hell. Uh, the only weird part of that is the fact that the the it's more of the NXT side, right? So the contenders for the NXT title are kind of just in limbo at the moment. And for some reason, I know a lot of these things have to do with... Uh, not being able to fly people uh, from certain locations. Uh, that's the reason why, you know, and also obviously I think they're probably worried about his age, but why Jim Ross isn't able to make these, he was talking about an interview and I've heard a lot of other people with that. Um, but I actually forgot the direction of where I was going with that. Um, probably like Bianca B- Belair being able to actually fly yes. down to Tampa. Or Bianca whatever. Belair has been gone. She wasn't a part of the, uh, you know, the tournament to get to number one, whoever go, wins against Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, and that's because at first I was like, where is she? You know, I thought maybe she lived in Florida. And I know that obviously Montez Ford, her husband's there. So, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping everything's fine with Bianca and that the main reason is she can't get over location wise or because she has some type of immune situation due to whatever or she just you know just opted out just said i'm trying to stay away from it it just it would seem like she is next in line basically uh between whoever wins rhea ripley and charlotte that's how they kind of made it look you know yeah that and it's also kind of the perfect excuse to get out of the situation you didn't want to be in which is me and you talking about like a three-way match or whatever so if you just completely avoid her on TV amidst everything that's going on in the rest of the rest of the world, it makes sense because you can kind of draw your own conclusions on why that performer is not there. So to me, it's almost a bailout for WWE uh, to some extent. Hopefully everything is okay with her. 
um, and that she's not sick or anything. Like, I'm not wishing any sickness on Bianca Belair by any means. I'm just saying, it, as a booker, this is a bailout for the scenario that they put themselves in. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So that was interesting. Someone brought her up, and I was like, oh, yeah, where has she been? Either way, let's start with NXT. Uh, NXT started off with a match that they've been promoting for, uh, I think, the last two weeks. Velveteen Dream is on his road of beating, I guess, every um, member of Undisputed Era before he gets title shot with Adam Cole. Um, as kind of stated, a lot of the stuff that you're seeing on these uh, NXTs um, going forward, they're basically the matches that were going to be on um, on uh, TakeOver for this week for WrestleMania, which makes me think – if you really wanted to still amp it up, I, I don't know how it works or, you know, because how many people that you can have there, it's a lot of sketchy stuff. Uh, the reason why we had AEW moving from Jacksonville to actually Norcross, which is where I work over at um, Cody's gym, him and QT Marshall's gym, uh, to wrestle at there is because the amount of people you can get away with a little bit more. Uh, not saying that you should probably do that, but that was – the reasoning behind it. And I know that Florida is, is now becoming a lot more strict about in that type of situation. So um, just interesting um, that I, 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 it seems like they, they basically have recorded a certain amount and then they're taking a pause. That's what it really seems like with WWE. They're realizing that after WrestleMania, after their, their stuff that they have recorded for the next couple weeks out, you know, they might be reevaluating things, which is probably smart. Um, but yeah, I thought NXT was a good show. I thought that um, I like that that they're listening and, and recording forward uh, at the entrance and not showing the audience. Um, I, I, I still feel like I understand it's a smaller location, even to the one that they were at um, tonight with AEW. Uh, just a couple people in the audience would be good. But then again, I think they are still in Florida, so I, maybe there are stricter things for them. It's a smaller location. I get it. I am somewhat getting used to it. It's just still weird not having the audience there uh, to add that element that's definitely missing because in between this, I'm watching other wrestling from back in the day, and it just it's, it's very, very strange. But I have gotten somewhat more used to it. Um, AEW, I like the location. Um, I think, though... I mean, I guess that they're taking advantage of what they can. I just I just know that there is a lot of outlets, I'll just lay it like this, and not say anyone in particular, that have been pretty down on WWE, and understandably UFC, especially Dana White, kind of being a, uh, a douche-ass and, and saying um, that he doesn't care about what the media thinks. And basically, if you want to go see that, I think we kind of brought that up last time. It's about cutting weight and how that can, you know, down your immune system and um, the safety risks in that. And uh, he, had, he kind of had a little mental breakdown, but, you know, I think that kind of happens and there's a lot of crazy shit happening. But, you know, AEW, there are a lot of people that are kind of close in their proximity. You know, with the, the when they were in Jacksonville, the first time they had them kind of close to each other, they had them near the cameraman on both sides, heels on one side, baby faces on the other. And it looked like there was more people than there really were. Then they got kind of yelled at. Um, that's when... Coincidentally, Jim Ross was taken out of it, and they decided to put him in a room and videotape him there like that would be the smarter thing um, to do. And now, obviously, they, they, they tried it their way on AEW. It just seems like 
if I'm going to be honest with you, like, no one seems to give a shit about them doing it. But, you know, that's how the wrestling world is. So, uh, not trying to throw shade. I just find it funny a lot of times how, you know, that doesn't get brought up. Actually, I, I heard from some of the people I'm referring to that that was really great how they, they, they did all that and how it caused so much sound. And I don't know. And then WWE's just not being careful enough and they're fucking up here and there. And, uh, it just, it's just weird. I don't know where I came from that tangent, but, um, I liked uh, I liked NXT. I thought it was a really good show and a lot of good wrestling. Why don't you just like interrupt me? Like just shoot a gun or something, man. Jesus. Because <laughs> I was letting you finish, man. Um, with obviously AEW was filmed here in Atlanta or Norcross, as you say, uh, home of the Varsity Junior. Get off on Jimmy yeah. Carter. Get off on Jimmy Carter. You hit some Varsity Junior. Have diarrhea, diarrhea later, uh, just like the good Lord intended. Um, now. Nah, all that shit aside, I like I like the crowd thing. I can't go back on that because I said WWE should totally do that. They should have heels and faces on separate sides. We first talked about this shit happening in WWE recording the show. I was like, this is how you get around that because if the athletes are going to have to be there anyways, then they're going to have to be there anyways. And WWE, I'm sure, is still calling more performers than they actually need in case someone gets hurt, etc. Um it's weird because of the Florida shutdown that they had last weekend. I'm sure that affected things. I do know that AEW has recorded a ton of stuff. I did hear that today. I know the WWE, I think what they're good until the Wednesday after mania right now. So NXT is recorded yeah, until so. the Wednesday uh, after mania. So they're pretty much set in stone as well. I would expect AEW to do the same. Um, luckily for AEW is they have someone like, you know, Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho. He can just do crazy shit for 45 minutes and then commercial break. Uh, so, oh my God. So, so there's that. So funny. <laughs> but, uh, NXT, NXT was really solid this week. It's, it's still weird. I mean, I don't think we're going to get over that. Mania is going to be much of the same as much of uh, as far as how they're trying to put the matches and stuff. It's, there's still going to be some weird times. I think maybe we just have to look past it. I guess the biggest thing for me is when I think empty arena, I think of a big conclusion match that can only be solved without harm to fans and empty arena and seeing empty arenas. I'm just like, ah, oh, makes me sad. Makes me want to just watch, you know, Terry Funk versus Jerry Lawler. Like Jerry Lawler took Terry Funk's eye. <laughs> fucking real you reason. To fight him. Lawler, you stupid bastard. <laughs> Took my eye, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you yeah. son of a bitch. Uh, uh. <laughs> but I, I think that's that's probably more me than other people. I do know that ratings were down for both shows, so whatever is happening. Uh, um, I'm not I even mean, looking at ratings, funny. man. Yeah. It's kind of like right now with everything going on, it's like, what the fuck? I mean, I understand, I guess, newer things should have more... Um, you know, eyes, eyeballs on it or, or stuff that's left, if you will, that's a live thing like a wrestling show. But I mean, I don't know. It's, it, it looks awkward, especially I will say it, it, the thing is, I mean, if they decide to go to Connecticut and do it over in their warehouse area, that's, I, I, I would assume they have a ring over there. That's the only other fucking place that they could record at, but it does, the performance center looks like, it looks kind of like um, 
like you would have a giant four screen television and it's like an ultimate movie theater that some rich rapper would have in their fucking basement or something with really nice chairs. I mean, I think AEW does a better job at this as far as zooming in in the empty arena scenario. If they just yeah. looked at what NWA does on their weekly YouTube show and maybe mm-hmm. dial back the production a little bit, they're going to get a way better output. It's going to look more classic. It's going to look more like old school WrestleMania, but it is going to give you a better feel for the overall show, I think. Um, and WWE is never going to pull the trigger on that. So I'm just fucking talking to the wind right now. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, Georgia shut down. So AEW, you know, the home of the gyms they have, I don't know if they're going to try to do it live, what they have filmed. Um I don't know. Maybe they buy the rights for uh, just how crazy Broken Matt Hardy is and share that all next week. That'd be great. Like just all of just, just do a television show, man. Of just Broken do a Matt Hardy. Show. I mean, that's the thing is they at least they have characters they can pivot around, whereas NXT has straight badasses, but they don't really have characters. They have great matches, but outside of Velveteen Dream, they don't really have a character to hang on to. They have no. this is a badass wrestling faction. These are fucking elite wrestlers right here. Uh, but AEW, they kind of filled that little middle gap of like, yeah, we're going to give you the good wrestling shit you guys like. But also, here's all the crazy weird shit that's going on. Um, yeah, I can so agree with that. I think that's their primary advantage in this whole scenario. I just think that closing statement, when you compare to and whatever WWE is doing, either with NXT, Raw, SmackDown, it seems like, you know, and, and some of it duly noted, they have listed what they have done to make sure, uh, you know, their performers are up to date and stuff like that. And they've sent people home, obviously, but they're getting chastised a lot for not being, you know, not being smart with this whole entire situation and videotaping. But I feel like AEW, who kind of pushes the limit a bit, kind of gets a slap on the wrist Um you know, compared to WWE or UFC, even though I think UFC is definitely a lot more understandable why people would be pissed off with that situation. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that, but both those companies are way bigger than AEW. You know, yeah, you, you have true. a following of like 4 million people watching you a week versus, you know, 800,000 to 900,000. Um, yeah, that's true. So that goes that goes a long way. I mean, if the NHL tried to do this shit or the NBA tried to do this shit right now, they'd get immediately buried. You know what I mean? So WWE's kind of in the weird wheelhouse, and unfortunately for UFC and Dana White, who looked like he was about to have a fucking aneurysm after that <laughs> that Jesus. empty arena fight, um, they're in a different scenario, and they're more in the public eye. I mean, WWE, when people think of wrestling, they're always going to think of Vince. That's the first thing. It doesn't matter if some stupid shit happens in an indie show. When you look up wrestling, while it's great to be on top, you're also the first target, right? So uh, a little bit of that. But I, as far as fan base, just kind of being like, I love this. I do love it. I think it is great that they have heels in the crowd. But I get the other side of it. It's also kind of dangerous, right? But so is having wrestling in general. Uh, right. Yep. So, you know, like, you don't know. Like, maybe fucking Carl Anderson went out to buy groceries and... With his hot Asian wife? With his hot Asian wife and didn't take <laughs> enough precautions. And now Gallows is sick and 
fucking AJ Styles is sick and they got to go wrestle the Undertaker who's 175 years old. I mean, all of it is a risky situation. When you, I mean, there's a reason why Georgia's like no one go anywhere ever except for the grocery store. <laughs> like, there's a reason why states are doing that, whether you agree with it or not. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, let's move on to the actual NXT show. Uh, we had a match to kick it off with Velveteen Dream and Bobby Fish. Uh, this is the best I've seen of Velveteen Dream since he came back. I will say that. Uh, they had a pretty hard-hitting match. Velveteen Dream's selling is a bit more awkward with no audience there. Um, he just he, he seems like he's about to cry or some shit like that. It's, it's, it was weird. I, I noticed that. And, but anyways, it was a good back-and-forth match. I really liked that <laughs> one part. The, the, Dream, Dream does... He does have a lot of macho manisms, uh, definitely, to him. That's why he does the double axe handle and the elbow drop. But he was about to do the elbow drop. Bobby Fish rolled out to the outside. He just turned himself and did the double axe handle to the outside, which I've seen Savage do a million fucking times. So that's always going to make me pop. And ended with the uh, Dream Valley driver uh, after the match. Uh, Dream cut a promo on Adam Cole and the rest of the Undisputed Era. Uh, I guess this means he's going to be Going against Kyle O'Reilly, probably beating him to inevitably go against Adam Cole uh, for the NXT World Heavyweight Championship. Unless I just don't remember him going against Kyle O'Reilly. I know he has a win over Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish. I think he has a win over the entire group. If you include tag matches and stuff, I'm pretty sure he is. It doesn't I mean, it doesn't really matter because they don't give a fuck about history anyways. To some extent, Um I thought this was a very good match. I, I like uh, I liked Velveteen Dream. I think this was, as you said, his his strongest showing since coming back. Definitely the Macho Man isn't. Uh, to put it in perspective, it's like watching a Sean match on mute a little bit, or her Macho Man match on mute, or you know Rock and Roll Express match on mute. And just ignoring that the crowd's even there. It is a kind of a weird feeling, but I thought it was a very good match. It kind of showed that Velveteen can get back to where he was, uh, which is promising considering what they had him doing going into uh, into this feud, I guess, with the, the pants and the is he a heel. He's clawing his way back out of very being booked very badly. Like To me, the whole pants airbrush gimmick was very heelish and um, then the crowd not being there. He's had a lot of obstacles to overcome. Uh, they should have just had him debut at Mania and had a really strong showing or some shit instead of what they tried to do, in all honesty. Not Mania. Rumble. Sorry. Apologies. Dan, you're on mute, bud. Hi. Hi. How's it going? I am on. I, was on. I did not know that. I was going to say, um, you know, he, he, uh, when he came back, or when he came back, it just kind of sucks the time period in which he came back. It's just very um, unfortunate <laughs> because now with this, of, of there being no audience and him not having those people to feed off of. I will say I, I still think big things for him. I'll, I'll go by like Matt Morgan um, on the review that listened from Wrestling Inc. said that 
in two years he could see him you know main eventing against uh the rock or john cena at wrestlemania like that's how how much he sees the potential of him of being a wrestling superstar a great wrestling in-ring entertainer so damn and that I shows you that shows you that shows you a lot about how matt morgan feels about the rest of the roster He's like, if he goes against Cena or The Rock, it'll be a huge deal. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Blueprint. Thanks. Thanks, Blueprint. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he does. He deservedly got some hate coming back, though, because there is no excuse for that clusterfuck we saw on his debut, to be honest. Like, it looks really, really bad. Yep. All right. So let's move on. Um Malcolm Blevins uh, cut a promo introducing uh, the Bivens Enterprise tag team, uh, Saurav uh, Gurja and Rinku uh, Singh. And, uh, you know, just said they're going to beat people's asses. He just, I like him. He comes off as an old school 80s manager, and I kind of dig that. And it seems like they're, they're you know, I, forget, I think his name's Robbie. I think I, I always fuck it up, but how they're using him as a manager uh, with him. Selena, I I like seeing managers actually come back, and these guys look like a modern day like Powers of Pain type of concept. So, uh, cool. Um, I'm interested. Uh, we'll see what happens. I just don't want them to just take the titles off of the Brozier weights automatically. I think that would be kind of boring. Do something with them. Make us make us invested in them as uh, villains, much like you did with AOP. Uh, how do you like this little promo, Chris? I feel exactly the same way as you did. I, I thought it was a good callback to old school managers. I also like Robbie. They just, I don't feel like they're really invested in Robbie being a manager, unfortunately. Uh, Chelsea Green's not really done a whole lot of anything that's been impressive, to say the least, and that's who he's managing. Uh, that All that being said, uh, I agree with you. I, you can't take to me, your browser weights are your biggest draw right now, maybe outside of Keith Lee. So pulling the title off either of those people right now, it's a bad idea. It, you got to make us want it. You want to you want to see Pete Dunn finally have enough of Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle be the baby face in distress, so to speak, or at least I do. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I, I would like to see them stay together and kind of build some stuff first before we do anything else. All right, so next we got a match with um, uh, with uh, Dexter Loomis. And this is the second time he's been on NXT. It was a couple of months ago. I don't know if he had an injury or something, but he was out for a while and uh, had a match against um, newcom ta- newcomer talent uh, Jake Atlas. And... Pretty good match. I really actually – I dig weirdos. I know that's that's just like I guess my thing <laughs> with wrestling, but I dig, I, I really dig guys that seem like they're mentally crazy. Um, you know, the, the only one I didn't really like was Ultimate Warrior back in the day. But, you know, for the most part, if you kind of act crazy, it goes on more so the legit fighter guys that I always liked, like Benoit and, and, uh, and Bret Hart or the aerial guys that I always liked. You know, if you just acted crazy or you had some darkness to you, I thought you were really cool. And Dexter Loomis definitely has uh, that uh, that type of darkness to him. But um, I don't know. I, I 
I, I ended up reading um, an article about how he created this character. And even though I could kind of tell, uh, you know, he kind of had a lot of influence of studying a lot of Jake the Snake Roberts and how he would do things in the ring. And I kind of get that feel. But the eyes, very different, very different form of psycho. So you have like the 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 crazy eyes that, that Mick Foley used to do as Cactus Jack the early days where it was like he was smiling mad, but he was soulless almost. And, and Luke Harper or Brody Lee kind of has that type of look. Uh, the darkness of the eyes, too, have something to do with it. Then you have someone like a Psycho Sid who has that craziness to him or Brian Pillman. You know, there's just different levels. Edge has had that before. This is a different, weird, like, I feel like he kind of wants to eat the humans. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm down with it. I know that a lot of people aren't into Loomis, but I get what they're going for because it's Dexter Morgan versus Dr. Loomis from Halloween. And uh, I like this. Um, if he wants to kind of have some type of serial killer type of character, I, I'm kind of down. Uh, I didn't think the match was, was that great, but it was very methodical, slow pace, something I would see out of this. I uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, he's someone I'm going to be uh, watching more, I guess. How'd you like it, Chris? I liked it. I'm not sure on the name. It's one of those names I don't think is ever going to get over even though I love both of those things, I love Dexter and I love Loomis. It's just people are automatically going to associate that with things that are bigger than you. Um, yep, so that's true. It's just a bad choice. Like, Do oh, you think well, that yeah. should have stayed as Samuel Shaw? Do you think that would have been a better name? Well, it's WWE, so they would have just shortened it to Shaw. But sure. Uh. <laughs> Like, so basically, he's going to be Dexter in a in a couple of months, regardless. He's not going to even have the Loomis part. Uh, pro- I mean, maybe I don't know. It's it, it's just those two names are so on the button, and in the fact that there's a new fucking Halloween movie coming out right after you know that last one came out, that you're going to try to throw that in there now. And also, he doesn't come off as a Loomis unless he's going to be a psychologist who's trying to prevent a monster from killing people. It's just two random names thrown together from things people like. Um, I get it. I'm just surprised that no one else in the writing room was like, really? Like, that's not, I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but as far as the promo work and everything, I think he's a good package. And and what you were saying about uh, the crazy eyes, I think the person that nails Jake the snake, the closest, and I really hate to say this, is probably Randy Orton. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not even a huge Orton fan, but he's probably the closest that looks as demented as Jake could look when Jake really turned it on. Yeah, I agree with that. Those crazy eyes. Crazy eyes. It's kind of like hunger eyes, you know? All right, anyways. Uh, let's move on <laughs> to a, uh, a vignette. Um of another psycho coming there more like i say on like the psycho sid style and that is killer cross which the whole thing was narrated um with uh his wife uh scholar bardot and just creepy images a lot of stuff like like rob zombie style things and it's kind of cool with her i wonder if they're going to play off like she's like share uh, like a sherry moon zombie character as his valet and just really double down on him just being this sick, crazy fuck. And it's all about the clock, you know, tick-tock, tick-tock. Um, I don't know if they're making him drop that part, but they're still... 
the the clock element. I'm starting to think that that that's the reason why you don't hear him say like he usually does TikTok because of the whole boogeyman thing. But you know, he he is a tall man, and once it's ready, he ends you and he takes you back to the uh, the underworld basically. And uh, I'm looking forward to Killer Cross. Uh, I don't know when they're gonna throw him in. Are they? Do you think they're gonna keep him and Loomis like very far away from each other? I mean, if they're smart, they'll keep them all very far away from each other because they have lots of mystical creatures. You have the demon, you have Bray Wyatt, you have Killer Cross, you have Loomis, Alistair, Alistair, etc. And the way to get one of those over is to only have one of those. To have too many of those will not work. The only time it's ever worked is when Kane was Undertaker's brother. Yep. I mean, and I guess Papa Shango versus Ultimate Warrior, but Ultimate Warrior was kind of the ultimate babyface good guy, more so than a crazy person. We just looked back at his promos like he was a fucking crazy person. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's, I don't know, it's weird. I like Killer Cross a lot. I like your idea of the uh, kind of the Rob Zombie feel, but the problem is, is they're already doing that on AEW. With Jake the Snake. Oh yeah, they are kind of doing that with Jake. I mean, they're, I mean, they're pretty much giving us a P, like a PG thirteen version of House of a Thousand Corpses with him just murdering people in the woods. And I talked about that on the last few podcasts. That's definitely yeah. kind of the gimmick they're trying to go for. Is this man is crazy? Maybe say like Otis, for instance, and Jake the Snake is more of the Spalding the Clown character. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting, whatever. You know, the vignettes themselves I thought have been really cool, but that is true that that's kind of uh, similar in nature. Um, but then again, man, Jake Snake Roberts, I love oh, – well, we'll get there. We'll get to his little vignette. Um, so they had highlights from the Johnny Gargano, Tomas Ciampa brawl uh, throughout the Performance Center uh, that – building up pipe for that and then we had the gauntlet match um so we basically had diana Prasso and um shotzi blackheart start off the match diana lost uh zaya lee came out uh shotzi uh made her tap out Aliyah came out made her tap out and then kaden carter her had a little more offense back and forth for a little while and then she made um, her tap out, or maybe she actually pinned her. And then Dakota Kai came out with Raquel Gonzalez, who definitely tried to get involved. Um, but at the end of it, uh, got the go-to-kick from uh, Dakota Kai, and Shotzi lost. Um, I thought this was a really good match. Um, I feel bad for Aaliyah and all this. I always feel bad for Aaliyah, man. She just kind of gets, like... Uh, whatever. Anyways, but Caden Carter looked really good. Like I said before on Raw, it, I think she's gotten good exposure. I think I see a lot of potential, and I have realized why she was the last person before Dakota Kai. Uh, Kai made sense to win, and Shotzi looks like the badass for being the person that could last the whole entire thing, dominating most of the time. So I thought this was actually a pretty good structured match. You know, they do want to have some of that Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai stuff probably to take them out of the match uh, and from not winning it uh, when they have the ladder match is what I would assume. Chris, how'd you like the gauntlet match with the ladies? I have, I have came to hate gauntlet matches, Dane. Wow. 
kind of get boring. Yeah, just maybe just a lot of them. Um, I like Shotzi Blackheart's character a lot. I think there's a lot that they can do there, uh, do with her. Um, I am confusing the wrestler she was working with. Was it Kent Kent Katzenzaro? That's what I like. Diana Prado. Yes, I am confusing. Okay, I confused those two. I was like, didn't she like quit? Uh, no. Okay. That makes more sense now. I was like, I don't think that's the person. That, that was a me head thing. I thought the match was pretty decent. I mean, I don't know. <sighs> Dakota Kai, I guess, is the one that would come out shining out of this, unless you want to go the Shotzi Blackout route. I think that she's very individual and looks a lot different than the rest of the roster. Almost to a page feel, like I said in the past, like a uh, little bit of a tank girl um, kind of thing going you know, from the movie, not necessarily the comic book, but I think that's what they're going for with her character. And I like her a lot. So, um, I don't have high opinions on this. I, I may need to rewatch this match, honestly, Dane, to, to give it further credibility, but I, I like Dakota Kai and I definitely like what they've been doing with Shotzi, the mini tank and, and stuff, I think is a good character move. Um, she went the total Scott Hall sting route of like, hey, just pick a movie character and then do that, and that'll be cool. Yep. I'm still waiting for someone to play Chunk from Goonies. I think that would be an awesome gimmick. Um, maybe. Uh, well, just wait till Braun gets thrown Otis. off a. Wait till Braun gets thrown off a fucking ledge by Baron Corbin and he'll come back as Chunk. I'm sure WWE's got you. All right, well, I'm hoping for it. All right, so a recap of the feud between Charlotte Flair and Ripley played. Then we had a match with Kushida and Joaquin Wilde, and it was actually pretty good. Um, I mean, it was a really good cruiserweight match. What do you expect? You have Kushida and you have DJZ. And um, uh, Kushida won with an arm bar. Uh, Kushida and Wilde shook hands after the match. Um, and then they were in the parking lot. And someone kidnapped Wild, and no one did anything. And, like, the announcers weren't even responding to it. I know one of them was Sam Roberts, which is weird to have him as the heel manager or the heel uh, announcer on there with Todd Phillips. But uh, it's it's like, oh, wow, that, that's not good. It's like someone just kidnapped him, a couple of luchadors. So, once again, this is the crossover. Uh, this is the Dark Order, uh, I would assume. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Maybe maybe Vince is going to be in charge of this, and it'll be called the Light Order. I have no fucking clue. But uh, <laughs> they, they have they have Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilds. You know they're they're picking the best so far to build it. What do you think about this, Chris? They're they're fucking Obi Wan is Joaquin Wild, <laughs> not John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh okay <laughs> it's gonna be great i'm gonna eat steak <laughs> it's such good shit uh don't sneeze around me uh <laughs> you know what i have no idea what they're doing with the angle um they have a little crew building i i agree with you uh, hopefully it's not a dark order thing even though there was a kidnapping in the parking lot you're right on that um yeah <laughs> the match itself was okay. I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this day. Dane, what do you want me to say about a man getting kidnapped? 
are they is it gonna be a we originally thought this was gonna end up being a lucha faction apparently we were wrong yeah obviously you know i think we're really wrong but um i don't know i don't know what you can tell me to make me feel better about this but i'm pretty concerned that wwe is fucking up because they allowed Baron Corbin to kill Elias, and now they have <laughs> stealing people from the performance center. What the fuck is going on? I don't know. I I, I feel like Austin Aries is behind all of this. He probably is. Maybe Scooby Doo. All right, let's get to the last match of um of NXT. We had the uh, NXT North American Championship match. Keith Lee. Dominic Dijakovic and Damian Priest. These guys kick the shit out of each other. They're all ridiculously agile based on their size. We all know that. Um, and they had an awesome match. It's just now, after, can we keep the three of these motherfuckers away from each other for a minute? Just all three of them. Just set them in different places. Let them work with some of the uh, smaller talent to create different matches because I'd like to see another one in the future, especially Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee work ridiculous together. But I need a little bit of space between this, and if you're not going to put the belt on either of them, it's time to take a break from it. But I will say the match was entertaining as fuck. Uh, just some of the spots they did, once again, crazy as hell. Um, like the spot where Keith Lee had Damian Priest, nails Dominic Dijakovic with Damian Priest in the stomach, and then proceeds to powerbomb him five times on top of him. You know, just that type of strength. Some of it was awkward, but that's based on no, you know, uh, crowd noise. And some of the stuff that was a little bit off where they kind of fucked up here and there was more noticeable, I think, because of that. At the same time, it's a fight, so it's not supposed to look pretty. A lot of – the only thing I I will say – uh, that I, I think might be a negative or something that people are going to a bit too much for a lot of these agile big guys is not, like, if there's one great, you know, make use of it. But a lot of them are going to the top rope, like four or five fucking times in a match. And it gets a little bit like, okay, gotcha. Personally for me. Uh, but like I said, good match. Keith Lee won. just create some different scenarios with the three of these guys going forward. But I thought it was a good match. How'd you like Chris? I thought it was a really good match, and um, I agree with you on the spots. Sometimes, like, seeing that many big moves off the top rope for such big athletes um, can kind of diminish the rest of your roster. So, like, later on, if you want Leo Rush, for instance, to hit a moonsault on the guy and get a pin, I was like, well, you know, Keith Lee did it, so... (laughs) And the guy kicked out. It's one of those weird things where you have to kind of float it in. But I also see why they did it, because there's no crowd, so you're just trying to hit big spots and make a match over or whatever. So it's almost like an indie feel a little bit to the match. I thought the match was very good. I like uh, Dajakovic getting a win here. I guess he's going to be the opponent for Keith Lee again. So we're going to get a rehash of that. Um, One thing I forgot to mention on the last match, Kushida just kind of disappeared. Is he going to go back in time and save Wild's life? Like, save him from getting kidnapped next week? Because, like, if they're going to do that, then I'm totally in on the storyline. Well, one of the theories is, and you might not like this, so 
the two last opponents of Kushida were Wild and before him Raul Mendoza. Uh, there's a theory that Kushida might be the guy behind this. Or he's just stuck in an infinite time loop until Alex Shelley slaps the shit out of him and they, they come back yeah. as a tag team. Yeah, exactly. That's what I said. <laughs> oh. No, no. Yeah, no, I don't like that at all. But I can easily <laughs> see it. I can easily see that being a thing. It's a very dumb thing because she does the hey. ultra baby face. But so, yeah. so, so Hunter was telling me how great of a baby face you are. I decided that we're going to make you a heel. Okay. <laughs> Because she is like, because she is like, uh, fine, I'm just hanging out with Shinsuke. <laughs> I don't give a fuck at this point. Just, God damn it. <laughs> He's like, he took away my best friend, Alex Shelley. Now I don't care. <laughs> like I should have listened to Kenta. What the fuck? All right, anyways. Um, so at TNT, we, we started with a new AEW Dynamite. Uh, first thing they showed us was the tournament uh, for the NX, or the TNT, I should say, championship, which is great because it works two ways. It's going to be kind of like a TV title, so they perform it on the television show. Um, and their television station's TNT, but their show's called Dynamite. So there you go. I actually think it's, it's pretty clever. So, Dane, before we get into this, I do I did see some breaking news on this. I heard this was canceled. Oh, the tournament itself? I heard the tournament itself has been canceled until further notice. Oh, man. Well, that's as as of today, per uh, F4W online. Um, prior to this show, I did read that they're postponing, which basically means canceled in the near future, which probably has a lot to do with them not being able to get all of these guys together for the rest of this tournament. So. Uh, I'm assuming they're going to keep their positions based on the way AEW's done everything with statistics. But as of right now, I, I don't think next week you're going to get more tournament matches. Well, for that, that's unfortunate. But, you know, I guess that's going to have to be. But I guess we can still play with the four matches themselves for when they do play out uh, in the future and kind of talk about that. But that does kind of suck ass. So, uh, what are you going to do? Uh, so Sean Spears is going to be going against Cody. Uh, Cody beat him on their last counter. Uh, then we having Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen. Kind of mad that they didn't separate those two guys because it makes me think that Darby's going to win. He's one of my top guys to win it. On the other side of it, we have Kip Sabian going against Dustin Rhodes and then Lance Archer against Cole Cabana. So, like I said, you would have one winner between Sean Spears and Cody going against the winner of Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen, and then opposite of them, Kip Sabian and Dustin Rhodes, and the winner of Lance Archer and Cole Cabana. Then after that, uh, the two of them will fight, and we will have our winner. So are you looking forward to this? Do you like the idea of the championship itself, Chris? And uh, I can send you the picture if you'd like me to, uh, so you can kind of look at it too. Who do you got winning? Like, where, where do you think the uh, the uh, the course of these matches is going to go for the uh, and the TNT Championship? So for the television championship, which I said they should do, by the way, <laughs> I think yep. Lance Archer is going to win so that Cody and Lance can feud. 
Um, and I think Darby will probably go on to the to the end of it from the other side just because he needs the wins because I feel like he's still one of the most over people they have on their roster. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Cole Cabana. Maybe him and uh, Dustin could have a – well, I don't even know. I, I'm not looking at the tournament bracket, but those two together could have a really fun, weird match. But uh, my guess would be Lance Archer versus Darby Allen. Final, Lance goes over, gets the title. You get Cody versus Lance. Cody said he'd never challenge for the heavyweight title again, but maybe he wins this title. That sets up something in the future for him, MJF. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. I feel like Cody could lose to Sean Spears, honestly. They could do that right the first thing from him getting fucked over because they like to do that. Um, but most like, more than likely, it would probably be Cody who wins that. And him and Darby kind of had some issues at, and we'll talk about that during the last match uh, where Darby nailed him. Uh, so Darby beats Sammy Guevara. You have Cody against uh, Darby Allen on the left side. On the right side, I would say, um, see, Kip Sabian and Colt Cabana have some issues outside of this, but I don't think either one of them are going to win. So I would actually have Dustin going against Lance Archer. Lance Archer beating Dustin for the right side, Darby Allen beating Cody for the left side, and then you have Darby Allen against Lance Archer with Lance Archer getting the win over Darby Allen and becoming the first TNT championship to give Jake the Snake Roberts and Lance Archer another prop to add to why they want to destroy Cody or whatever. Yeah, and, and with Lance Archer, he could easily injure Darby. They could do something like that, and that makes Cody have to step into that role. As like Cody crossed the line. Yeah, he crossed the line, and, and you have the mutual respect match between Darby and Cody. You could easily pull that out. But that would be my guess, is Darby should go over, somehow get fucked up, and then Cody versus Lance, which is where they're actually trying to go. I don't think Cody should cruise through the tournament. Um just because I, I feel like the fans really love Darby Allen. I mean, the fans are always going to be behind Cody to some extent, but you got to keep Darby's keep the crowd behind Darby as much as possible. Yep. Don't let it be an afterthought. No, I agree. All right, so we started off uh, AEW after the announcement of the brackets and the match themselves uh, with Tony Schiavone and Cody uh, at the commentary, and they were assisted with Pharaoh, the dog. Um, and we had an awesome match, I think, with Kenny Omega and Trent Beretta, um, who's now just going by Trent. I keep on seeing it everywhere. Like, I actually like Trent Beretta. I think that's a pretty good name, but whatever. Trent... Um, This is an awesome match, man. This was very New Japan-esque, I mean, in the sense of right at the beginning of the match, uh, Aubrey or whoever the ref was, I couldn't remember, could not get control of them. They're destroying each other, just going into the audience. And finally, when it starts, you know, they're just tagging the shit out of each other and just a lot of of good stuff. Um, I... uh, trying to remember a certain spot with Trent. There was something that happened that – and I just I just rewatched this a little while ago. Uh, but either way, Kenny Omega got the one-wing angel after a couple V-triggers to Trent. Um, and Omega helped Trent up after the match, and they fist-bumped. And uh, it was good stuff. I thought it was a good opening match. It was going on at the same time, that good match between Velveteen Dream and um, 
and uh, what's his name? Oh, wow. Um, Bobby Fish was going on, and it was just two great wrestling matches. I was really enjoying it. So Wednesday nights, man, with all the shit going on, I can't complain with some good wrestling, even though it's weird without audiences. Uh, how did you like this match, Chris? Trent and Omega turned it up to 11, didn't they? Like, <laughs> that yeah. six sequence between them was fucking great. Channel Darren, to me, channeled a little bit of the inner New Japan in both of those guys. Yeah, amazing. absolutely. The, the, the question for me is, out of both names you could choose to go by, you choose Trent over Beretta? <laughs> like, why would you not go by just Beretta if you just have to drop one of them? <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it, good win. It made sense with booking-wise, and uh, Trent and Kenny were clearly, to me, the two best performers in the match. Yep, and this was brought up not really by Excalibur, but they're doing a uh, after show where Excalibur, Taz, and Jim Ross break down the match. Jim Ross said what a lot of us believe, and kind of same thing with SCU with uh, Scorpio Sky, that he's like, Chuck's a great wrestler. He looks like he's put on uh, some muscle, but Trent Beretta, if he ever chooses to go on a singles career, he could do some really damage. Like, he could be a really big competitor, and I think a lot of us feel that way. Uh, too. It's not like the situation with um, um, Jungle Express, where I think that both Jungle Boy separately and also Luchasaurus could do a lot of good things as solo acts. But um, he's a damn good wrestler, man. I really enjoy. It. And for his size, just like just like Dominic Dijakovic, you know, those guys are tall and lanky, and they're doing springboards and and backflips and all this type of shit like it's nothing. It's fucking crazy. And, I mean, Chuck is a great wrestler. I think Trent benefits by having been in the WWE system, in the New Japan system a little bit. Um, So all of his stuff just looks so crisp, and he was great in that G1 tournament back in the day. Fucking, I don't know, man. He's uh, He could be the spotlight. It's just, are you going to turn Orange Cassidy and him both heel? Like, that's the thing. It's like Orange Cassidy has to leave with one of them, I would assume. That is the, the the curious concept, but don't you even think like you know when they were a pongi, like he was he kind of outshined Rocky Romero too, like in the ring at least, not maybe talking. Yeah, for sure. I think he's very solid in ring. Um, and I don't know, man. It's such a weird, like him and Chuck not being together seems weird now because I would like to have them have a tag run before they bailed out. Just yeah. That's some good. It's just like down the road, you know, he would be probably good. It's like Scorpio Sky. Yeah. And with Scorpio, it's a little different because I feel like he is just younger and better at this point in his career. Whereas back in the day, I'd be like, fucking, are you kidding me? Christopher Daniels is by far the best wrestler in this group. Um yeah, it's it, it's a little weird. I, I think the Orange Cassidy thing th- makes it... Maybe that's why they're trying to get him more involved with matches and stuff. So that breakup will be more epic. Which, if so, great. But uh, to me, like Omega and, and Trent kind of stole the show. 
in, in yep. this match specifically, and maybe even throughout the show, to be honest, as far as wrestling goes, they looked phenomenal together. But I wouldn't expect anything less. But those guys are fucking great. Yeah, like I said, not taking anything away from Chuck. Like Chuck looked really good two weeks ago in that uh, was it the match they had. It was a pride and powerful. Like I'm trying throw things off my mind from two weeks ago but they looked really really good like chuck had that great little promo afterwards kind of stepping up for the team a little bit so not taking anything away from chuck but i think trent is definitely i mean actually orange cassidy is the most over person but trent is the person you could actually build around more as a wrestler i guess yeah i agree uh next match was pretty good too we had kurashida and um actually trained by QT Marshall at that specific camp. Um, George's own, uh, Anna J, uh, and you know, JR and, uh, Taz were talking about it. Kurashita is one of my favorite female wrestlers in this. I, I really think that she's going to have a good match with Nyla Rose. I don't know if she'll take the title from her, but she's definitely someone that's one of my top females within, uh, AEW. I just think that she's good in the ring and she's, she's, she, uh, she's, Crisp in, and she lays her shit in. But um, I thought Anna Jay really took advantage of the situation and, and uh, looked pretty damn good in the ring, and uh, I was impressed by her. So um, Sheeta won with a knee to the back of the head, followed by a falcon arrow. Britt Baker was among the wrestlers at ring size for the match, and she and Sheeta had words uh, before and afterwards uh, while Britt Baker was enjoying what looked like a sandwich or a panini. And uh, threatened uh, her with her shoe. Um, yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> and she 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 let her know that she thought the match was boring. So that was her comeback to Sheeta. I, I actually really like Britt Baker. I also liked a little bit where like Tony was like, "Yeah, me and Britt really get along." And like Cody's like, "What what do you mean you get along with 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 Britt Baker that you guys have been hanging out or some shit like that?" You're like, "You're married, Tony." He's like. Oh, shut up. Like, I love the camaraderie between him and Cody throughout the night. I thought it was great. Very, very, very uh, cute, if you will. But um, how, how did you like this match with uh, Kurushida and Ana Jay? So I liked it a lot. I thought it was very good. I think Shida gave Ana Jay maybe a little too much offense. <laughs> but uh, different style of working with no crowd, right? I, I figured this was going to be a squash match, honestly. Uh, just based on where these people are at in their career, Anna Jay just kind of just coming in, and uh, Sheeta obviously about to feud with Britt Baker, who they're heavily behind. And uh, man, if Britt Baker gets the shit super over, she definitely owes Tony Schiavone a stake because the interaction between her and Tony Schiavone has been absolutely phenomenal. Tony Schiavone is getting fuckers over like he's Mean Gene. Um, <laughs> It's 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 great, and I hate to say that he's filling that Mean Gene role, but there's nothing wrong with that. Someone needs to fill no. that role, and uh, he's kind of nailed it on the head with this little feud. And to me, if you go back to that cruise ship, specifically the cruise ship promo she had, that was like the start of it, and they kept it up, and it's been really good. And um, I think Britt Baker has been talking to really good promo minds in the back, which there's a lot of, like, I don't know, Tully and fucking Arn, um, and coming in more solid with her promo. So I, I really liked this all around. I thought it was good. I thought it was a really good match. More surprised on the fact that Sheeta gave so much offense, but uh, also it's a weird time, so they probably decided against the squash match. 
there's that. And uh, Anna Jay looked really good in the ring. Yep. All right, a video package about John Moxley's rivalry with Jack Hager aired. Uh, Moxley mentioned that they used to listen to the Jerky Boys together. Weird uh, random artists to talk about with each other. Uh, I didn't uh, need to include uh, that the results, but I felt like you should know. What? I don't know if that was like a mess up in there. Sorry. Moxley and Hager will face off AEW's World Championship on Dynamite in two weeks. So, yeah, so their past within WWE, them knowing each other, them riding with each other, they kind of show that these guys have had history before. Like I said, they listen to the Jerky Boys together, and they're going to be fighting for the championship in two weeks. And I believe he, the way that he phrased it, and I could be wrong, John Moxley said it was going to be an open arena match. So I don't know if that means that he does plan on doing something like that where – him and Jack, Jack Hagar <laughs> are going to fucking beat each other through the, the the blink audience. But I'm down for that. I'm down for a match between the two of them. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. You know, you don't really remember that Jake is a is the next world heavyweight champion, WWE. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Yes, and they uh... – IC champion. He's he's been involved in a lot of stuff, but he was he was one of Triple H's proteges, same as uh, let's say Sheamus, for instance. Gotcha. It just never really clicked, and it's kind of the same time where you had some uh, heel heel champions like you had Ziggler, you had Sheamus, you had Jack Swagger. It's a lack of uh, what I would call top tier talent in WWE as far as getting over. Not to take anything away from any of those guys, but if you, I mean, you go back in time and look at some of the heels they've had, uh, you'll get what I mean, I guess. Yeah. Um, man, this next part. We had Lance Archer going against Marco Stunt. Yeah. When they said that, I was like, why? <laughs> he fucking murdered him. <laughs> Honestly, I will give you this. I think Marco Stunt did get a little bit of too much offense. I would have had him double murder him instead, uh, if I'm to be completely honest. But it seems like they could have given him – like, wh- why would Marco agree to, to have in that match? That was in, like, his his first match here, he's, he, he's called the Murder Hawk, and he's being trained by Jake the Snake Roberts in kayfabe. Hey, Marco, do you want to wrestle him? Sure. Like, the payoff must have been pretty fucking supreme for him to do that, but – uh yeah, uh he won with the black the choke slam and his blackout slam after the match. Archer choke slam sl- uh stunt from the ring apron onto the wrestlers at the ringside, all the little baby faces. And we had a- another video. I believe this is where the video where Jake Roberts aired, uh, kind of promoting him again and just being creepy as ever. Uh, it looks you know Colcabana was on commentary. They're gonna face next week. They had a little bit of stare off while Lance was leaving. So, yeah, he's going to rip through Cole Cabana pretty, pretty easily. But, uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, how, did you feel bad for Marco Stunt? Do you think that he you know, he applied for any life insurance before this? <laughs> I would hope so. My takeaway from this match, because it, it was kind of a squash match, and, and I would say that maybe he got a little too much offense. It's it's one of those things where it's like, well, did he get a little too much offense because poor TV or whatever. 
Um, Lance Archer, super dominant. I like what they're doing with him. And I also like Cole Cabana on commentary. It's really weird to say this about AEW, but having like 10 commentators that are better than most of WWE's commentators is probably not a bad place to be in life. If I, you know what I mean? Like, like Hulk Cabana is not shabby on commentary. They have Taz, they have Tony Schiavone, they have JR, they have Excalibur. They have, they have all of these guys. And, and even sometimes like MJF and Jericho, like randomly showing up on commentary, it kind of shows that you can have good commentary without it necessarily being your set. This is our three piece commentating team or whatever. So I, I enjoyed that as well, which is probably not going to be talked about as much, but uh, something I enjoyed. And as far as uh, the video package, I thought it was very, very good. Is this? It, are we leading into the Brody Lee thing? Because I want you to kind of take that away. Yes, we will be right now. Um, yeah, another video of Brody Lee uh, bossing around the Dark Order aired. It was very comical. Um, at one part, he kind of threw one of the guys out, and the other guy yawned, and he asked him if he was having problems at home, being very personal. Personal, um, you know, it's like I said, it's it's um, it's definitely got Vinceisms in it, you know, and uh, I, I I find it interesting where they're going. I hope that this character kind of goes to different places, but I still get a Daniel Plainview. From the character himself, too. I think Brody Lee's at least doing a good job acting it out and coming off convincing. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it was another uh, Dark Order. I, I like where the Dark Order's going now. A hell of a lot more than, you know, Saget with the beard and, and Evil Uno was doing with the putties a couple of months ago. That was terrible. So, uh, how, how did you like the uh, video of Brody Lee? Is it okay to say it was fine and that yeah. now I've maybe had my limit on let's make fun events and I want something different? Yeah, I, I think I think um, let's chill from the Vincisms and kind of make the character yourself now and not and if if there's gonna be stuff be more subtle. Like I said, kind of embody what I believe to be whatever that character is that's there that's kind of Daniel Plainview-esque and kind of make him more demented and and lay away from the Vince McMahon stuff. I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with a couple shots here and there, but also the thing about Vince is he has the money, the power in the company. So it'd be like if Cody was doing it, and you'd be like, oh, well, it kind of makes sense, but like Brody Lee doesn't have the money, the power, or the company. He's just a guy that works for the company and has, like, a crew. So doing it multiple weeks, unless you're going to have crew backlash, it's going to start wearing on you very quickly. Um, whereas where I thought they were taking this, and, and it may have been a bad direction also, would have been Matt Hardy kind of with this ragtag group of dudes, which is what they're promoted as. Just guys that are found on the internet not having any life, right? To join the Dark Order. That seemed more fitting to Matt's character, whereas Bertie Lee with the Vince thing 
I, I hope they kind of shy away from it and give him some monster-ass shit to do where he's demolishing people very, very soon that aren't just part of his group. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I, I did like this next match because it kind of set up a cool match for the future, uh, getting their uh, quote-unquote Haas guys to have some matches. But we had the uh, Natural Nightmares, uh, which is Dustin Rose and QT Marshall uh, with Brandy in their corner going against the Dark Order member eight and nine. I like how it's just random. It's eight and nine. And I like um, <laughs> on commentary, who was it with? Oh, Cody said uh, to, to Tony, he was like, do you know why six afraid of seven? And I forgot what the, he just completely screwed it up. And it was kind of funny because like, Tony, oh, he, he messed up seven, eight, nine. <laughs> Yeah, he did. It was pretty funny. I don't know if he meant to do it, but um, either way, uh, they were just generic masked man from the Dark Order. The Nightmares won their Dead on My Debut with the Tandem Cutter finisher. And afterwards, Luke Harper came by. Him and Dustin had a little bit of a stare down. And then Luke Harper went in the ring, took the guy that lost, gave him a huge powerbomb. Looked at the other guy, pointed at him, and then pointed at the guy on the ground. I guess this is a signal not to fuck up again. And, uh, yeah, that was it. And uh, just basically setting up more story development within the Dark Order with uh, Brody Lee, but also putting over this new tag team with uh, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. How'd you like it? And do you want to see a Dustin Rhodes versus uh, Brody Lee match? Yeah, I'm sure they'll have a great match. Like, Give them time. They'll have a very good match. It'll be very old school, but they'll have a very good match. Uh, that's the weird thing about Dustin being in that tournament is that I'm assuming the Dark Order would kill him at some point during said tournament, which is why I didn't have him actually in the finals. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting to see Dark Order just throwing out random numbered people, and hopefully uh, some workers are getting some time in there. It'd be really funny if they start putting people like Kip Sabian like really good workers underneath the mask like even some like you know like you could do something crazy and uh put omega under a mask in like a uh like a swimsuit or something and send him out there almost like homicide it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how long they keep this up with just random people that's funny uh all right um so next thing we had a video package of Chris Jericho. Uh, he sent in a video, and I like the way that they did this. It, the way that they're like throwing it off to like, well, th- like Tony Schiavone sets it up like, you know, th- we got this from a source, and we're gonna, you know, display the video stuff now. And uh, Chris Jericho sent a video of him in his hot tub. Vanguard One flew in, and Jericho once again offered him a spot in the inner circle. Jericho gave him a tiny T-shirt. A Vanguard flew away with it. Jericho then released the hounds. And a bunch of cute, uh, mostly small dogs, in, in chihuahuas and everything included, chased down the drone. Uh, just a fun, <laughs> stupid segment, and I really enjoyed it, and I laughed, and I liked the stuff going between Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho. It's going to, like I said, if you're going to be silly and do this type of stuff, if you could just redo that one moment where Hogan is looking in, inside the mirror, or, or let it be Y2J with Sammy, <laughs> And for some reason, the announcers are like seeing, you know, Matt Hardy on the other side of the mirror while Hulk Hogan is freaking the fuck out. But for some reason, Sammy doesn't like that makes any goddamn sense. Just redo the whole entire stupid thing. 
I will I will die crying. Uh, but in all in all reality, I like this feud. It's it's uh it's a lot of fun. It's um gonna be silly, I think. What'd you think about it, Chris? It's 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 fun. It's that's the best thing to say about it. And it also takes the um, the immediate rematch of Moxley and Jericho kind of out of the picture, which has been great. And uh, the thought of Mr. Matt Hardy riding in on a dilapidated boat inside of Chris Jericho's endless pool. I'm sure he has one. He has to have an endless pool with Matt Hardy on scar scar the dilapidated boat with v1 flying above him and revy playing piano yeah those are things legends are made of now i I mean it was great it reminded me uh with the send out the hounds and and i'll give tna credit for this one thing that they did during the final deletion is vanguard one showed up and he sent a bunch of mini drones inside of jeff hardy's house which jeff hardy had just got done lawn mowing just a bunch of his Hardy symbols until a lawn, because that's what Jeff Hardy does on his off time, I guess. And then Jeff Hardy started swatting them away with an acoustic guitar. Very much had that feel, which makes me think that Matt is very much involved <laughs> in these. And the mind of Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho combined to do these weird segments have, have been very entertaining. And, uh, look forward to see what, see what is going to happen next between those two. But, uh, yeah, great. I love the tiny T-shirt too. <laughs> it's like you can join the inner circle with a little baby T-shirt. It was probably the absolute best. And also Jericho just being shirtless with a bottle of champagne and a scarf on, like an asshole. I mean, I mean, you have the two guys behind some of the most brilliant segments in wrestling that not necessarily wrestling wise, but with the Ultimate Deletion and then the Festival of Friendship, and you take those two minds that can take wrestling extremely seriously but also know how to do it comedically really well and we're gonna have some fun shit and we'll probably end up having some type of weird match with the inner circle with chris jericho going against matt hardy on the compound i would assume especially with the limited resources we have right now yeah and the fact that jeff hardy's contract will eventually be up wwe and maybe brother nero (laughs) I, knew I love that. Hard. I love that Chris Jericho said said it just like that too. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like Vanguard One. I knew you come. Uh. It's it's shit. Legends made up. Like if you don't believe how over that shit was, watch the WrestleMania pop for when the Hardy showed up. Yeah. And what WWE did to derail what that was is absolutely fucking diabolical some sense i agree well we also had another segment with the young bucks um and basically matt was visiting nick and uh talking about them training um at nick's house to get ready for his in-ring return uh, i think they should have cut to like an 80s montage with like push it to the limit playing with the two of them working <laughs> But I think that's something that they would probably do on being the elite and probably not on this. But good to get an update. You know, we obviously know that it's actually about his wife just gave birth to a baby and they're, you know, he has some time with her. But we'll be seeing Nick, Matt back uh, sometime in the future, which is good. I wish that we would get a match with fucking Adam Page and Matt Jackson before that happens. But maybe that's not going to happen. I don't know. 
Yeah, it doesn't seem that way. Uh, but yeah, fun segment. Not as good as what they do on being the elite, but it was a fun segment. I kind, I'm kind of with you. It, like, if you're gonna cheese it up with these guys, and I kind of like them, the limit. Yeah, like overly <laughs> cheesing it up. Because I still think that Adam Page is the baby face coming out of this. Still, I'm clinging on to hope. Because I don't think the Young Bucks are the baby faces coming out of this. Whether like Adam Page turns heel or not, I don't know that they're going to be looking the same way. Um, yeah, doing 80s cheesy shit and then having them like demolish Adam Page or something indirectly would probably be a good build-up. We're like, oh, these guys are fun. Why did they do that? Yeah. Oh, all right. And the last match we had Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara going against Cody and Darby Allen. Um, it's a fun match. Uh, Cody and Darby Allen tagging together. It's it's like uh, you know, Sting from '87 until like '94, and then '97 Crow Sting. Like you know, they're together. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, they're they're tagging yeah. together. Eric Young the is stingers. their manager, dressed as Sting. Also, <laughs> st- no, what? Well, Sting could like come out as their, you know, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be, <laughs> anyways. Um, Spears and Guevara bet on the match uh, quite a few times, going back to what they were doing of uh, you know, uh, making bets and and gambling on it. And Guevara tried to introduce a chair, which distracted Allen and allowed Spears to roll him up for the win after the match. Allen uh, knocked Cody down with the forearm. Uh, Cody was trying to be like, it's okay, man. Don't worry about it. And Allen just wasn't having it. And we're setting up some stuff in the future, which I'm sure we're going to get, um, you know, Cody and, and Darby Allen, which, hey, man, first match Monday of uh, Monday night of uh, Wednesday night dynamite. And um, awesome match between Darby Allen and Cody. Oh, no, no, that was Sammy Guevara. But that's right. Cody and Darby Allen have had a great match in the past. So, I'm looking forward to that. They seem to be adding a little bit of spice to that. And, of course, the bad guys get a win, including Sean Spears, who really could have used one. So, uh, good stuff. How would you like this last match? Sean Spears is that perfect 10 guy that used to hang out with Tully, right? Yeah, where is Tully? I don't know. Is Tully also in the inner circle? Who's in the inner circle? Um, Rick Rude, uh, Ted DiBiase. Um, we're not talking about people that got kicked out of NWO (laughs) (laughs) the randoms Uh, Vincent uh, Miss Elizabeth I don't know Uh, Vincent was there for a while and so was Miss Elizabeth circa 1998 to 1999 hey Liz remember when we got a divorce years ago so the weirdest thing about this was the Darby hitting Cody spot, right? Which sets up to this tournament, but now the tournament's postponed. And now is the idea that Darby is seeing is he just disagreeing with the elite in the inner circle? Because if that is the idea, okay. But if the idea is like we want to get heat on Darby Allen to make Cody our number one baby face, I don't necessarily agree. I'm hoping it's the latter, but uh, yeah, I mean, the match itself was really good. It sets up a very interesting concept between Darby and Cody, because I could make the argument that that as great as Cody's been on the mic and stuff, 
Uh, he's also lost a lot of matches, and Darby Allen has this natural charisma, very much like Jeff Hardy, that could easily be surpassed if you give him some wins. So it's a weird, weird thing to do. I agree, man. Uh, just good stuff all around, man. Love a lot of the wrestlers involved. I thought NXT was awesome. Uh, as as bittersweet as the fact that we're not getting takeover, the fact that we're getting those matches broken down for main events for these next coming uh, NXTs that they courted is pretty exciting. And AEW, um, until, you know, I don't know exactly if they're going to keep on recording in Norcross or if they're going to find um, other situations. You know, the fact that they've pre-recorded we're going to have some stuff for a little while, and I have to appreciate any wrestling that we're getting because I mean, we could be getting nothing. So, And if that happens, me and Chris will find, like we've said, other, other ways to really uh, you know, hope that you guys will enjoy different types of segments, different types of talks, you know, go over different wrestlers, maybe do watch-alongs. We can do some lists and stuff like that, but really provide some fun content. Uh, but until we don't have any wrestling to talk about, uh, live stuff or going forward, we're going to keep on keeping up with all that stuff. So I thought this was a really good episode. Um, appreciate everyone that listened. Uh, and we'll have another episode later on this weekend uh, talking about our predictions uh, and also SmackDown, our predictions for WrestleMania, the show that needed two nights or whatever the fuck they're calling it. Um <laughs> Uh, uh, and you know, we'll, we'll give our predictions for that. But, uh, Chris, uh, say goodbye to all the wonderful people out there. Before I say goodbye, I have one question for you, sir. Yes. yes. What what if the place to film is somewhere in Cameron, North Carolina, maybe on a compound of some sort known as the Hardy compound, (laughs) you fill in that or not? Hey, if they wanted to do a whole entire episode on the Hardy compound, I would have no problem with that. Just do the whole – just record it like that too. And I I mean honestly, without the wackiness, I hope that they say fuck it with WrestleMania and kind of do some cinematic shit and don't care about the fact like, oh, it's wrestling. Like just just fucking make it awesome. You know? We can understand. It's not real. Make make wrestling awesome. We all love that. It's still real to us, damn it. Um, no, all jokes aside, you can give me to at Chris R. Patton on Twitter and at Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook, um, at Chris R. Patton on uh, Instagram. Less accounted for. I'm going to do some acoustic music later on this Friday if you guys are into that. Just trying to support local musicians. Donations will be out there for everyone. Uh, it's just going to go to Nashville. Uh, fun for musicians who are struggling right now obviously during the crisis not being able to perform um so you guys check out all that and uh we'll definitely have some more wrestling talk and uh dane i'll pass this back over to you bud all right thank you so much for passing it over uh you guys can find me at dane alves 42 on twitter and dane alves uh on you know on facebook hit me up let me know what you like about the show, let's have a conversation, yo. And also join any of the wonderful social media platforms at Geek Vibes Nation. Join the conversation. That's Geek Vibes Nation on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Go to geekvibesnation.com. You'll find a website with a bunch of news articles for different geek topics, including comic books, movies, comic book movies, uh, video games, wrestling, 
We go over a lot of different news sources, and then you can also find different audio platforms uh, that we're located on, on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes. Um, basically, if you can search it, you'll find us. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and you'll find all of our episodes. Listen to us weekly. We'll have another show, like I said, Saturday uh, that we're going to record. We'll have it out later on that weekend. And be safe, guys. You know, love each other, be there for each other, let the geek fives be with you, and of course, peace out.